Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good evening. This is Peggy Amanisi. Welcome to my show. I'll be bringing my co-host on, Melissa M. She's also the editor and uh, to my book, Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug. So give me a second, I'll bring her on with me. Hello, Melissa. Hello, how are you? How are you? How are you doing? How, how was your week? My week was great. How was yours? Oh, terrific, terrific as usual. Well, you know what the show is about tonight, and we're going to, right? I do. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about my hometown, Croton and Hudson, New York. Born and raised, uh, our family, Melissa's uh, dad is my brother. Uh, we're one of uh, six children. Um, he is now a minister, Montrose, New York. And uh, Melissa's a teacher, an editor, and my co-host on the show. So what do you think of Croton? I think I there's a lot of historical significance there. Like, I think there's more to it than most people see, like more than meets the mm-hmm. eye. Right. Um, I think it's a beautiful place. I love that there's right. little shops and little restaurants and sailing. I love all the ideas of all the outdoor activities that you could do there. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a beautiful place to live. So It definitely is. And it's about 30 miles north of New York City. And one of the biggest, uh, next to Grand Central, I would say, the biggest train stations there is. Um, did you know that a bunch of movie stars lived in Croton at one point and celebrities? I did know that a few. I know you told me about a few of them, but... 
you can tell me the rest. Mm-hmm. I really want to know like all the stories behind Crow, and I think it'd be really yeah. interesting. Right. Well, I'll name a few. Um, Jackie Gleason from The Honeymooners and the movie Minnesota uh, Fats. And um, there's a place in Croton that actually um, we lived when I, I was first born, but our buildings got knocked down to put the new uh, Route 9, as we call it, through. And right across the street, there was a place called Honey's. You you know the restaurant, Melissa. It's now called yeah. uh, Tavern on the Landing. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that place, basically. And uh, uh, do you know that at one point they had a pool table in there, and your grandfather, my father, played pool with Jackie Gleason? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. They actually played pool, pool together. And uh, Jackie lived out on the outskirts of Croton. Like, I know him personally. Dad knew him. Um, he lived in a what they call the roundhouse on Furnace Dock Road in Croton. And then we had, do you remember the show, uh, Can of Camera? I don't know if you're, you're too young um, for that. Um, no, not really. Well, it was a funny show. Uh, <laughs> they would they would they would catch people in awkward doing awkward things and kind of set them up. And the uh, the guy head of the show was Alan Funt, and later his son Peter took over for him. Um, Alan Funt lived at White Gates on Mount Airy, where our, your great grandparents, uh, when they came over from Germany, your my great grandparents, your great great grandparents lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lived about maybe a mile up the road from them. Um, and uh, I actually went to school with his son, John, and Alan was ahead of the show, Candy Camera, so that's another celebrity from Croton. That's really and cool. And then we... It, it, it kind of is that, and you know, you know where we lived. We lived next to the Carvel stand, the big hangout, right next door to it. And it was kind of like a thrill to see Alan Funt on TV, and then come home at night in his little jeep and ride down to the Carvel getting ice cream. You know, it was wow, a wow moment for me as a kid. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the first actually, person that you said that? Um, I think it was you said Grandma was sledding down their driveway or something? Yes, we're going to go to her next. Okay. We've got a few more. Um, Gloria Swanson was a famous silent movie actress. And she lived at uh, going up around the bend on Mount Airy. And for my callers around the world, and you know, um, Croton is a big thing for me because I grew up there. But you know, there's a lot of trivia here. And I'm sure the names I'm throwing at you, like Alan Funt and, and Jackie Gleason, I have some more. But Gloria Swanson, I think, it was back in the 20s, was a silent movie actress. And my mother was, uh, um, uh, um, I don't know what you would call her, a rebel, I guess, as a kid. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> my daughter, like mother, right here. And she had just, uh, her parents, I remember the story, her parents had just bought her a brand new briefcase for school. So she decided to walk up the hill, which was nowhere near school, and go down the actress's driveway on her bookcase, making it a sled. <laughs> so she got in trouble for that one. <laughs> I, I guess we could use that right about now if we don't have a sled with all the snow we're having here oh, in New York. Oh, yeah. Almost. I feel like we're in Alaska oh, right gosh. now with all this snow. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Well, we have some other uh, stars that, that lived in Croton. Um, actually, Peter Strauss from Rich Man, Poor Man in several movies. Do you know Peter Strauss? No. Okay. He was pretty famous. He actually went to school. He was about my sister's age, 67. And uh, he used to hang in the local, um, uh, over on Grand Street, the local soda shop back in the day. We used to all go to called Scoop and Judy's. And uh, he, he hung out there also, and he now he's known all over the world for his acting skills. 
And then we also have another fellow that, um, I don't guess Greg was a little young man, named Greg Wangler. Um, he's the, he was the guy on the Folgers commercial coming home at Christmas time from school, and the parents smelled the coffee. I don't know if you recall that commercial, but you can get it online. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> and he was also on the, um, I think, All My Children. I may have that wrong because I put that in my book, but he was on a couple of the soap operas, and, and he starred in many movies. Um, also, Kathleen Beller, who was in Dynasty. Do you remember the Dynasty, Melissa? That may be before your time. No. Okay. <laughs> no, before my time. So, well, how many strikes do I get before I get out, get off base? Okay. It's okay. I was being educated about all <laughs> these people, the though. Interesting. Yeah, well, Kathleen actually was very good friends with my husband's brother and his wife, and um, along with her sister, Janie, who I, I've gone to many functions with. But she, Kathleen was on Dynasty. And there were quite a few other uh, actors and actresses and, and what have you in Croton. Do you know there were films made in Croton also? Yes, that I did know. Okay, which ones did you hear about? Oh, I don't have any specific names. But okay, I do know well, do you know the actual Tarzan was made in Croton? No. Yes, yes, Tarzan, yep. Tarzan was made in Croton with Johnny... Oh, people call in if you want, because uh, I can't, Johnny, I'm thinking of Worcester, so oh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember his last name, but I'm good like that. But anyhow, we're going to be talking about, like I said, some of the history of Croton on Hudson tonight, uh, my hometown, and like I said, and uh, some of the urban legends um, that were shared you know, through my parents and grandparents to me, and what's truth and what isn't truth, who knows. Um, but uh, some of the movies I just want to run by were War of the Worlds was made in my town, Reds, and Red Dawn. And let's see what else we have here. I think we have a few others. I actually have a script tonight, people. Oh, if you want to call in, too, uh, I'll be taking calls at uh, 1-347-838-9201. Okay, and hit number one if you want to get on the air and talk to me. If not, if you just want to listen in, just call that number. Um, there were uh, a few other films and television that was filmed here. Uh, Daylight, the opening sequence. Guess what we learned in school today? Reds, the main characters were supposed to be Croton on Hudson, but the their cottages there were actually filmed in England. Uh, Shriek of the Mutilated, don't know that one, 1974. Tenderness, The Toxic Avenger, Part 2. And uh, The World of the Worlds was 2005 film, was shot actually at Croton Point. And we have a lot of other history, like the uh, I'll be discussing during the show, but I see we already have a caller. I'm going to let them get on the line. Did you know um, that my dad um, auditioned for Toxic Avenger? <laughs> no. Her, dad, her dad's my brother. Go figure. Yeah. Did he really? He was supposed really? to be one of the bad guys or something. It was a Croton Dam, mm-hmm. I guess, that they shot it. So he used to tell me all about it. I can't, I, I can't imagine your father one of the bad guys. Actually, whatever caller just called in, I see went off the line. So I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I guess That's we'll okay. chat a little more. That's okay. We'll give him a few minutes. Yeah, sure. And we'll be talking about some of your events in your town or or or, or um, some of the things that have happened or, or legends of of your own towns. Um, let's see. Well, uh, you've heard of the Van Cortlandt Manor House, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. In pre-colonial times, Croton, and I may say this wrong because I'm not good at this. This is why Melissa is my editor. Um, in the pre-colonial times, the Kichewonk Indians were part of the Mohican tribe, lived in the, our area. And in 1609, Henry Hudson sailed up the Hudson River. 
And then in 1677, I won't go through all the years one by one, but I don't want to bore you. Um, Van Cortlandt Manor, I guess, began, uh, which is now um, a restoration, part of the Sunnyside uh, restorations, in, in adjacent to Sleepy Hollow, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. But my call is back on. I'm going to pick them up, and then all we'll right. get a little more about <laughs> Croton history. Okay, hold on one second, please. Hello, caller. Hello. Hi, Tank. Hi, who's this, Norma? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I thought yeah, I could tell your voice right away. How are you, Norma? Sure you could. What's going I on? I, I just had a, it's Johnny Weissmuller. Thank you. I, you know what? I, I, I'm thinking of Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> um, <laughs> Melissa, this is Norma. Norma, this is Melissa. Um, Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, Hi, Melissa. How are you? How are you? Good. <laughs> Norma, Norma gave your grandfather a nickname. Were you the one that gave him the nickname? Edhead. Edhead. We called him Edhead, Melissa. Norma knew yeah. Grandpa real well. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, she bartended for at the local bar, and I'm going to give uh, Bo a little bit of a plug on the show, the grandstand on Grand Street, where my husband's family grew up in the little stone house, which I'll talk about. Yeah. Um, and actually, today there was a fire, from what I hear, right, right, next, right next door to that. Next door, yeah. That's kind of ironic because one of the things I was scheduled to talk about, well, I was going to tell a little bit of the history of Croton Dam and and oh, yeah. the. Um, and that actually, that house was built because my husband's family came over. He kept telling me all his life he was Austrian, but it was really no. in history. Italian, I know they were. So, okay. and he sees, yeah, come on. But anyhow, and the great-grandfather's name was Balasernio. Come on. <laughs> but anyhow, that house, I'm sorry? If you go down to the St. Augustine's, the old cemetery in St. Augustine's, Mr. Mm-hmm. The original old Mr. Anisi is probably the grandfather. Built oh no, his, I know my. He built his own um, stone. stone, and it yeah, was, ma- my son was named after the same stone that's on that house. Oh yeah, yeah, Marcus, right? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. son was named that. That was my yeah, hus- that was my husband's grandfather geek. and my late son Marcus's namesake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So, but Did those you, stones, of that house was built with the excess stones from Croton Dam, which uh, I was going to go into. The we in Croton refer to it as the uh, the gingerbread house. And yeah, I was yeah. almost floored when Good I heard about the house. fire today right next door. I'm like, oh my goodness! I know. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about this house and this happens, you know. I'm not sitting but, here with voodoo dolls. I'm listening, listening to this from two in the morning till five on the scanner. Yeah, I heard all the on? Whole, the um, scanner. The whole meal with the fire. Is the fire still going on or what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my Dying gosh. 168. They thought it was 168 Grand Street, but the guy went out and uh, said he smelled smoke. They thought it was just a chimney, but yet flames were coming out of the back of the house. Yeah, because the grandfather's house, if I recall, was 172, so it must be 170 grand then, right? 70, yeah. 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 But they, was it, there was, any occupants in the house? or? No, it's vacant. Vacant. Oh, my goodness. People had oh just goodness. moved out. I guess they got evicted or whatever. The guy who lives in really? Colorado who owns it doesn't really live good. around Croton. Is it suspi- uh, suspicious at all? or? I don't know. They're probably going to yeah. know. 
Well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So, Norma, yeah. why I got you in the area? You're an old-timer to the area like me. Do you have any uh, any uh, paranormal stories that you know of? Or A lot of them, but I'll do it another time. <laughs> I'll do that another time. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Sounds good. I'm just wondering, did you forget Russ Harper's um, son? Russ Harper's son. Russ? No, I don't. I didn't remember that. Oh, yeah. You forgot him. What what movie was he in? Russ is one of the. Um, um, I grew up with Russ, and yeah. uh, he uh, actually was one of our our police on our police force in Croton. Of course, he still is. Oh, is he? Hey, Peggy, oh, I, I have one more actor for you. Yeah, his son. Oh. Your okay. uh, Melissa might remember that movie's name. Oh, well, Melissa's yeah. quite young. Melissa's well, young. Was the young <laughs> she was the mother. Remember when they tied the mother up in the basement and the father. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Really? Was it like Halloween or something? Parents, something parents, no. Like huh. they were punishing the parents. It sounds like something that would happen at our house, Melissa, huh? No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Russ was actually in the, me, the star. No. And Russ was in the movie, too, at the very end as a cop. Really? I forget. Yeah, you know, I kind of remember hearing it, but I, I don't. You know, my memory fails me sometimes. Now he's in another movie. He's going to be starring soon. It'll be on pretty soon. Really? Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, you better check I guess up. We did have some famous Peggy. Peggy Sue. Oh, I, oh, believe me. Let me tell you. I check was up it, on a lot. Peggy Sue is, is my stage name. <laughs> yes, house, house arrest. Yes. That's yeah. My really? dad told me that. Yes. Oh, well, I didn't know so, what it was. Yeah. He was like. Yes. That's awesome. Now he's going to be in another one. There's another one coming up. I don't know the name of it. Oh, cool. Keep us posted. I'll, I'll plug it on the air. And like yeah. I said, Norma's the former bartender, uh, barmaid, and uh, the bar mom. We She wasn't just yes. the bar mom. Uh-huh. We would all come to her with her. She was uh, Ann Landers for us. And she still is at times. And uh, like I said, I'm going to plug the bars, the Grandstand on Grand Street, uh, owned by Bose Augusta. Awesome bar. And my, yes, and and my favorite watering hole. <laughs> I don't go out too much anymore, but when I do, I'll stop in there. So, uh-huh. but yeah. anyhow, so Norma, do you have any right. other stories? I mean, you you grew up in Austin. Um, of course, that was the town of uh, uh, originally Sing Sing and the the famous notorious Sing Sing prison that everybody sees in movies. Prison, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, um, I was born right next door to it. Um, are the you old Austin hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm that old. Austin Hospital. Me yeah, too. it was right next door uh, to the world. We're not that old, are we, Peggy? Uh, you may be, hun. No, I don't know. I just hit the 60 mark last year, so oh, I'm, I'm getting up there, girl. I'm, I'm 39. You're. Hey, oh, I forgot okay. about that. How can I? How can I talk to you like you're my mother when I have all the experience here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're going to get more in the history and about Sleepy Hollow, which is the next town over where my my uh, paternal grandparents lived. And my dad grew up. And yes. uh, we'll, I remember you dad <clears throat> Yeah, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Actually, I have a, a story to share about the cemetery there, which is what my show is about, not about cemeteries, about the paranormal and, and how our loved ones come to us and, uh, you know, trying to heal other people going through grief, especially parents that have lost children, and uh, to be able to vent you know, somewhere. And that's what my show is about. And to let them know they're not oh. alone, you know. Oh, so, uh, my. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very oh, much. And I, you know, again, you know I'm, I'm a yapper, Norma, so a radio show <laughs> is perfect for me. <laughs> you take care it. now. It was my nice uh, Okay, Norma, you. thanks for calling in. Call in again. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
All right. I put Norma on hold. She can stay on if she likes to hear the show. Uh, I guess she hung up, but you can get the show uh, either by calling in at uh, 347-838-9201. You can Skype my show, or you can get it on the Internet. And I also, every show that I have, we have uh, archives. You can go back to and listen. I think we've done six shows prior to this, right, Melissa, I think? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And actually, today we we hit the... Uh, between my archives of people and calling in, we've hit almost 1,100 people in, in six shows. That's amazing. So I think it's a pretty good record for a Croton Hudson girl. And, yeah, I do have um, one more person for you who was an actor mm-hmm. in Croton. Um, Richard okay. Chamberlain, who played Dr. Kildare. Yeah, I remember him. He lived yeah, in Croton? Yeah, grew up in Croton. Oh, I so never that. was another that. one to add. Really? I'll have to yeah. check into that. You're, oh, your father said that? Or? <laughs> wow. Well, I loved him. I was in love with Richard Chamberlain growing up. That shows how old I am. You know, we had two shows, uh, Ben Casey and uh, Dr. Kildare. Oh, and you know what? I'm going to mention another famous person at Croton, and I actually, you know, for years I owned my own home care uh, business for the elderly. And I actually took care of A. Verbaum. Uh, he was at, worked for the New Yorker, an artist for the New Yorker magazine. And I took care of his lovely wife, Frida. She was 88 years old when I started taking care of her. And she lived on a road called Cullabuck Pond, and they had many, many acres. I used Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. Cool. That's so funny. It's a big road. It's a big road. It kind of links Croton to Melissa's town in Montrose. But to make a long story short, I took care of Frida, and she shared all his original artwork with me. And the the thing that you just reminded me and, and uh, of, of the Dr. Kildare and the Ben Casey age, uh, there was a fellow on the show with – on the Ben Casey show – and I forgot his name. He was the older doctor. If anybody remembers his name, call in. Um, but he was very good friends with the Birnbaums. And um, they they would travel. They, she would share all the stories of traveling all over Europe and what have you with, um, oh, gosh, this is terrible. You know, darn it, you had to bring that show up. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I, w- I wish. Thank you Any very time. much. Thank you. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. Um, but anyhow, that was uh, uh, another doctor show, and, and oh God, ask your dad. Is your dad around? Ask him the name of the older doctor on Ben Casey, and then we'll get into a little more about the Croton history yeah, and the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So anyhow, um, like I said, there's quite a few estates uh, um, uh, in the area. A lot of people that you know come here come from the city because it was so close to New York City, but yet they could actually enjoy, enjoy the country life a little bit. And uh, Croton's also known for the, um, the Croton Dam, which is the second largest next, and people laugh when I put this on Facebook, but the, it's known for the second largest hand-honed structure in the world next to the pyramids. So when I put it on Facebook, I, I put that my family helped build them. I just want to clarify Mine might have helped build the pyramids, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I think oh, a few people were a little confused about that one, you know, walk like an Egyptian. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, that's the story with that. So um, 
Let me go through my notes here. So anyhow, that was built, and the stones, and we were just talking about my um, my husband's uh, grandfather's house, Marcus Anisi, um, actually right next door to where this terrible fire has been going on for 24 hours, which uh, my heart breaks for these people. Uh, thank goodness nobody was there. But the uh, that stone house was actually built by the Anisi family from the excess stones left over from the Croton Dam. And most of the stone houses in Croton were built and, and lovely and stand to this day by the Anisi family. So that's a little plug for my husband's family and my, my children's children's family. Um, now, what about Sleepy Hollow? What do you know about Sleepy Hollow, Melissa, the, uh, the legend well, of Sleepy Hollow? Well, actually, so, you know, Washington Irving, that was his legend, and I know that it's really funny because before the legend was even written, the 19th century was really famous for people becoming mm-hmm. interested in spiritualism itself. So right. because of the hype of spiritualism, that was another reason why also he wrote the legend and the story because everyone was talking about it. That was what was on everyone's mind. You know, where do people go? What happens when they die? So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot well, of Well, I think that's been on people's mind from the beginning of time, wouldn't you think? Right, but, but I, think I mean, it that came was out. just a historic kind of a turning point in a way, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they even had the streets were named after people who passed on, which they say keeps mm-hmm. their spirit alive and it personalizes right. them. And, you know, even some of the parks in New York, they used, um, they used to be cemeteries. And mm-hmm. so people would question if the people who, you know, passed away, if their spirits still live there, kind of like the whole Legend of Sleepy Hollow thing, because people say, even though it was a legend, like, it's haunted. Mm-hmm. So, you yes. know, there's a lot of... Well, I had you know. read up on, on it recently, too, because, I mean, I grew up knowing about it, and, of course, your great-grandparents, my grandparents lived within about a mile of it. And uh, mm-hmm. actually, my, my father, your grandfather, used to work at, at the General Motors plant uh, there before he worked for the railroad and church later on in years. And he told me a story. He used to walk from their house all the way to the plant, and one night he got the uh, got really spooked. He saw something come flying out at him, from the cemetery, he never looked back and ran so fast. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's kind of was my kind of one of the stories because of Sleepy Hollow. My dad growing up in that area uh, back then, I was known as mm-hmm. the Terrytowns, uh, North Terrytown, and just the Terrytown, Mount Pleasant area. And well, you know, um, even walking through the cemetery, you feel like there's haunted spirits around you. Oh yeah, I mean, it's historic. historic. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, we have family yeah. members. Um, my dad's brother and wife are buried there, uh, some other people I know, and uh, my son's godmother's um, father, and she shared some stories that every time she went there, things would appear to her. Yeah. So, and of course, this is what my show is kind of about, um, you know, that we have a lot of these legends. But what I read about Sleepy Hollow, you know, people think this was a, like a fiction uh, story, but um, some of the things I read, it wasn't, there's a lot of controversy with that one. If there was a lot mm-hmm. of truth to some of the things, like Ichabod Crane, who was the teacher, am I, am I right about that one? Yeah. And that there was a real person. I don't know if that was his actual name. And there was I some discussion. Might, I'm not sure, actually, about the name, but I know that there were people that, you know, did die and other characters were supposedly, like, based off of these 
other, you know, and right. People. Well, Ichabod so. Crane was the head, the schoolmaster, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, you know, I've been to to the cemetery, and uh, uh, I'm actually trying to get a paranormal group to come up here from. I think it's uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. They're quite interested in going there that would uh, be because really of the cool. history. Yeah, I talked to them about six months ago. So if I hear from them again, I was going to go with them and stand in the background because some of this stuff, even though I do what I do and have had turning to me, scares the hell out of me. Um, Like, for instance, yesterday, I posted on Facebook, something happened that really spooked me. Um, And then if you call in callers, I'd like to hear some of your stories. Um, Anyhow, uh, my father's birthday is March 8th, and about two days ago, I was sitting here, and, uh, you know, our houses are very close here, um, you know, and I know everybody in my neighborhood, and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a cigarette smoker, sorry if I am, but nobody in, in my neighborhood smokes a pipe. My dad smoked a pipe, and um, what happened was I was sitting here, and I got a whiff of pipe tobacco. I'm like, who the heck? You know, so I look out the window, maybe somebody came to visit, and nobody's there. And about maybe 45 minutes later, I smelled it again. It was my father's pipe tobacco. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I've heard this from other people. I think you had an issue with, not issue, but... I had an issue. uh, It was like a day or two after he passed away. You know, mm -hmm. I was thinking about him and the the stench. I can't even tell you the stench of the pipe tobacco. Yeah. The stench, like the smell, the scent. It was mm-hmm. so strong in my bathroom, and I kept looking outside. I'm like, you know, maybe the neighbor's like smoking. I, I don't know. Right, right. And I looked outside. There was nothing. It was literally and you come from a totally non-smoking household. Yeah, right. Oh wow. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 I'm being that so I smoke. I it's hard it to tell him. sometimes. Like, without but... a doubt, it was him. It was the mm-hmm. day after he passed away, and I just feel like he was just trying to say, like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't only that. That kind of was an alert to me because I was kind of putting the program together for the show tonight. And my first interest in any, if you want to call it paranormal, I call, I call it more spiritual because I believe in God and Jesus. And uh, I, I believe in the white light. Um, I don't practice any other anything. I'm a Christian woman. I just happen to have unusual experiences, especially since the passing of many relatives, uh, including two of my children, the cystic fibrosis, well, in their 20s. But I, you know, we, I'm sure if you've heard my other shows, you know about that or read my book, Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Last Hug. Um, but anyhow, um, my father sparked an interest in when I was a kid because he shared some stories about walking past Sleepy Hollow Cemetery and the thing come flying out at him. He didn't know what it was, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to stop to walk. <laughs> Grandpa was a tough guy. So that kind of freaked me out a little bit, knowing how strong my dad was, and that bothered him, you know. And yeah. he also shared a, he also shared a story. Um, my dad was also the sexton, the, the groundskeeper and what have you, for St. Mary's Church in Scarborough, which is right next to Sleepy Hollow in the town. And he shared a few of the stories that happened, unusual stories at the church itself. Um, one of those, the sexton that that he took over for prior to him, his wife had passed away. And I remember my dad telling me how he, the, this fellow was working, I guess, breaking my father into the job. Him and my grandfather were working together at the time there. And um, this guy felt like a silk skirt go by him on his leg. I guess he was, I don't know whether he was wearing shorts or whatever. And he got a call a few minutes later. His wife had passed away, and she used to always wear silk skirts. Um, my dad also told me a story about... Um, um, whatchamacallit, uh, coins on, out of the blue would roll up 
the aisle, in the church aisle, and roll back for no apparent reason. So, you know, that that sparked my interest to some of this stuff. So I've, you know, since I was a little kid, you know. And there was one other story that my parents had told me. They lived on, um, they lived in a few apartments before they bought the house in the Harmon section of Croton. And um, one of the apartments they lived in, uh, my parents were awoken and I woke up in the night and uh, they see this guy standing near their bed with a, a and this is back in, 19 late 1930s but he was dressed from an earlier uh time and had a big uh uh like a what do you call that smoke what do you call that the top hats melissa a smoked one or what is that i'm sorry the the, the big top hats the top hats like a cloak a dark cloak and a big top hat i don't know if there's a specific I'm name not sure for that or if there's a term for it, I just, I usually call it a top hat. To be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know what so. I think that some people back in the day, I don't know, I wasn't oh. a man, but call it a smoke hat or something. Well, he, he was standing by their bed, and he turned around and kind of walked like right out the window, and that freaked both my parents That's out. So creepy. So as time went by, they told me that they had found out there was a, a former owner of that house that had committed mm-hmm. suicide, and that's oh. how he was dressed. So, I mean, you know, some people may think, oh, you know, she's nuts, you know, she's making this stuff up. But we're, I think uh, from a spiritual standpoint, we are hearing more and more with, with shows on now like Teresa Caputo's. I always bring her up and mm-hmm. uh, former, the one I sound like, Sylvia Brown, who I really wasn't into, to be honest with you. Uh, John Edwards, Cross Country, not plugging anybody. But I think more and more people are realizing that our loved ones are still around us and um, – um, and I believe that God does let them comfort us by by showing signs, like the other day with the pipe smoke, and um, yeah. And because I was thinking about my dad a lot because of putting the show together and the Sherry stories, eat Sherry. Here we go again. He loved Sherry. Um, yeah, I feel like he was appearing to really... let you know, like everything's you know everything's okay. Exactly. His birthday. He's trying to make mm-hmm. his presence known in your life. So exactly, exactly. You know, I because to be honest with you, I, my father's been gone. Um, he died in uh, April of '93, so almost 21 years. He'd be actually 103 this year, and. Um, when I first moved into my place that I'm, I've been living here about six years now, which is four miles north of Croton and Hudson, um, and when I moved in here, the, it was his birthday the, the following you know year, and I was sitting on my deck, and my kitchen's right near the deck, and second time, this was the first time I had an unusual experience with a, uh, I would say a music box uh, that that you have to press a button to hear. Um, to play the Christmas carols that plays the carousel thing from Avon back in the day. And I'm sitting on the deck and I'm saying, Dad, gosh, I miss you. He was my buddy, my karaoke partner. We used to sing together. My dad was also a musician. Um, he actually had a, a, a song uh, in the Hall of Congress, or what do you call it, the Library of Congress, that I mm-hmm. found out recently. And he was an accordion and violin player. A player. He also played with the uh, violin with the Westchester Symphony Orchestra in the 30s. And I actually had a picture somewhere of that. But anyhow, so, of course, our link to this music was our big thing, which I write about in my book. That was my quality time with him. He works two jobs, the railroad by day, church at night, and church weekend. So he was a workaholic, but that raising six kids, he had to. And my quality time at night with him would be in the basement 
for about a half an hour at night when he'd play the accordion violin, and I would you know, accompany him with singing since I was a little kid. So that was our time together. So it was kind of apropos he would come to me that way. And I'm saying, gosh, Dad, I wish if you're around, would you send me a sign? All of a sudden, that carousel started playing for, out of the blue. And the only other time that happened was the last day that my son was home, uh, which I'm going to share in my next book coming out, uh, Raising Hannah's in Heaven. Um, my son passed uh, February 2nd, three years ago, cystic fibrosis, and his last day home was December 23rd. He was very ill that day and didn't want me to call the ambulance, and I knew I had to because all of a sudden something must have came and that music box started playing again out of the blue, and it felt like it was a sign, get him to the hospital. Called the ambulance, thank God. By the time they got here, his blood pressure was 75 over 11. He was almost gone. He lived another month and a half, close to a month and a half. But uh, it, it, that that carousel has been, like, uh, uh, alerted me to, to other ones around me, okay? Uh, and, and like I said, my next book will be sharing more and more of the stories. My first one has a lot of, if you want to call it paranormal, I'd call them spiritual. Because I'm comforted, and I think most uh, bereaved parents uh, or anybody that's lost loved ones are comforted by um, the signs. Melissa, why don't you share some of the signs that you've received over the years? Um, well, I've had a lot of people even come to me in dreams, like after people have passed away, um, mm-hmm. with a lot of like words. <laughs> I, You know, the butterflies and the rainbows, which I talked about in the last couple of shows, feathers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the animal world, like, I'll see a lot of, like, white doves around when I think about people that passed away. Right. Um, I think the most significant with you is the feathers, though. We've talked about that on the one or two shows. I think so, too, definitely. Like, I always see white feathers every time. Yeah, it's not like, well, share about how it's always on your car, usually when the time you and I do an event or something related to our work, you know, our our spiritual work and, you know, the books and what have you. But it's not just one feather. Yeah, whenever somebody around us either passes away or a book comes out, I'll get white feathers all around the car, even... When I'm at work, like, I'll follow a path that I've never, like, followed before, and, like, feathers will just find their way, like, right in front of me. Like, I'll just start walking, and there's feathers there, and I'm not even walking. And we're not, and we're not talking one pattern, feather. We're talking, but I'm talking like, tons. 20, 25 yeah, feathers, yeah. pure yeah. white. It looks like angel mm-hmm. feathers to me. It doesn't look like a bird. But mm-hmm. for me, that's my most significant sign, I think, is the white feathers every time that you and I do something, like, really important. Exactly, exactly. And you've had the rainbow sign, which is, you know, my rainbow book. Rainbow uh, several the title. times, yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, maybe we should experience, uh, experience uh, um, talk a little bit about what, right before my first book came out, and you were still at college, uh, going, and she went to school to become an editor, am I right? Mm-hmm. And um, the, I knew, I just felt after seven years, this book needed to get out. So, and she was my editor because I write it, you know, I need her. <laughs> this book would have not been complete without her. And Thank But I you. just felt it was time to get out, and you were so busy at school. But let's talk about the knocking, the knocking and when you were yeah. off campus. Tell, tell the story, so, and I'll tell my part of it. At my apartment, um, it was around midnight. And I was working on the book, and I was going through it and started editing it. And the first night that I had started going through the book, um, you know, I'm trying to go to sleep, and I was studying and everything, and I kept hearing knocking on my walls, constant knocking, not just one How, time, how many like days did this go knock. on? 
What? It went on for a few days, right? Mm -hmm. It went on for a week, and then all of a sudden I said to one of my roommates um, who lives in my apartment with me, I said, you know, I keep hearing this knocking. I don't know what's going on. And she said, I'm hearing it too on my side. We were on separate sides of the apartment. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you heard it too? And she said, yeah, and she's very spiritual. She's very much like me. And Mm -hmm. we were the only ones that heard it. My other apartments did not hear it at all. But the first night that I started reading through your book and editing, every single night that I went through your book and edited, I would get knocking on the wall. And then when I was finished or almost finished with it, the knocking Mm -hmm. subsided because, you know, I took a little break. And then I went back to it. And when I started finishing it, the knocking came back all of a sudden. (laughs) And it was like three knocks in a row, then it would stop. And it was on the side of the building. Like, nobody could have been doing it. It was right outside only my wall and, and my apartment mate's wall, so it was crazy. Well, how did you we find out that it was happening to both of us? You were up and she was up I in Binghamton, New York. I called you actually. I called you in the middle of the night and I was freaking out because I was like, I can't sleep. There's constant knocking on the wall. You know. And I what did I tell you? The next day, and, and you're like, oh, you there's knocking on my roof. There's knocking on my door. I'm like, oh my god. And what did I tell you? You said the same thing was happening to you. Yes, we was at at the time I was um uh you know um in a relationship and we were living together and um he did all sorts of uh you know construction jobs and whatever and he was took care of everything the outside inside of the house and whatever you know that's what he did for a living. But anyhow, um so he knew the house inside out. I started to experience the very day that Melissa was getting it up in Binghamton, which is how many miles from where I am? I mean, a couple hundred. I don't what you say? know the distance. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a distance. distance. So it's neither here nor there. Well, Even so. if we were like like now, we're up to, up and down the street from each other here. But I was also experiencing the knocking on my roof, and my um, boyfriend. I kept saying, "What is that? Could maybe there's a branch? I have a large tree over my house, and I live right on the river, on the Hudson River, uh, where I live, and." You know, we get a you know uh, uh, a lot. Uh, the wind is heavier here, so I'm thinking, eh, maybe the wind's blowing. The branch is going to break off. Go see what's going on. He goes outside to check. Uh, there was no branches. <laughs> there was nothing. No reason that I would hear this knocking on my roof. And it was happening to Melissa and I at the same time. And all I kept hearing, you know, or feeling in, in my within myself was, I have to get this book out for some reason. And after seven years, it's got to be now. And so, um, and I thought about it after Melissa shared her story, and we were both experiences like, then I'm thinking, well, it's time to knock that book out, you know. And we did. We did. It took a few more months or what have you before it was published. And uh, But it was time. It was time. I was about, what, four months later it got published, would you say? or? Yeah, I would say about four months after we started, just because yeah, we had to put the pictures yeah, in. Yeah. It was, you know, with the publisher, it was a lot of work. Yeah, so. we, it was, oh, that was, that was we a did a lot of work. Let me, <laughs> we, we let me tell you something, my friends. <laughs> if you ever want to publish a book, good luck. It, it's, it, if you think you're going to get rich, unless you hit the New York Times bestseller, I am on the bestseller list on Amazon uh, since it's come out, but this ain't a way to get rich. But more importantly, I mean, we all want money who's going to lie about that but um they make the money <laughs> we don't um uh the most important thing to me being what i've gone through and my calling i would say in life and in melissa's too is to help other families that are going through grief um by the signs that 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 were sent um where we don't do it for 
quote-unquote, I mean, we've been persecuted at times by Yeah, but there's always going to come negativity where there's also positivity. You know, you have to kind of take it from where it comes from. Just know that even if people say things and it's not the nicest thing in the world, you don't have to take it to Mm -hmm. heart. You don't have to let it in. Just let it go and, you know, live your life and... And be around Being nice, happy people and just spiritual love, Christian you know? person, you don't persecute others or you shouldn't right. belittle because we shouldn't judge each other, you know. Um, right. Like everyone's entitled uh, to just, their own beliefs, but you don't exactly. have to bring other people down with them, you know. That's exactly. just how I live it's just like my life. So. Any religion in general. I mean, there's Christianity, there's, uh, you know, the Jewish population, there's mm-hmm. uh, the Mormons. You know, everybody has their belief. No one has the right to tell somebody else what to believe. Right. Like I've said before, you can either listen to my shows or watch my Facebook or read my books and uh, make your own decision. I mean, I'm not, you know, tying you down or twisting your arm to do so. If you're interested, fine. I'm I'm open to other people's views. That's not a problem. But when it becomes a form of um, negativity or harassment, because we're we're both talking and, and, and trying to teach about the light and the spirit of God and Jesus, um, I think we should work together and not against each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I feel like a, a, there's only been a few, actually, that, you know, knocked it down or whatever. But And like I said, I'm willing to listen. But when, when they come to actually downright harassing me, I don't find that very, very um, godlike. You know, I think there's a nice way of doing things, the right way of doing things, like anything in life in the wrong way. So I just want to get that point across because it's happened to me a few times now. And, uh, you know, um, like I said, if you don't believe what I believe or believe what I see, then don't listen to the show. And mm-hmm. like I said, don't read my books and don't be on Facebook, okay? That's all I, I got think you just have to have an way. open mind to be receptive exactly. to it, you know? Yeah, well, I personally believe this This has brought me, I mean, I've always uh, been a Christian and uh, grew up in the church and uh, baptized, confirmed, married the whole nine in the same church where my dad worked. And it was pounded into my head, you know, as a kid, but I'm glad uh, because it, it's brought me to where I am now. Um, I'm not here to preach on the on the radio, but I'm just letting people know my feelings in my heart and anything that I am doing now um it's 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 in the goodness, in the light, you know, to bring others closer. And I feel that I'm closer to heaven or uh, to God, to Jesus, um, by things that I have experienced, since, especially after my two children passed, because that's that's the worst of worst, and I won't go on. I've gone on other shows about it just to let people know they're not alone and that if I can maintain strength and, and my belief, hoping that I will help the rest of you to, to do also because, you know, I like I said before, losing kids, or it's, it's got to be the worst thing in life. It really is, but we won't get into it. But we have some other um, stories. I don't see any callers here tonight. Uh, call in. I mean, share your stories. Don't be embarrassed. If you don't want to give your name or your town, you don't have to. I usually ominous. ask your name. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I usually ask the name and, and what state you're from or what country you're from. Um, actually, my show is all over the world. Um, if you're within the states, you call the number and call into the show. And I believe you can get it on, on just the Internet if you want to hear the show. But it can also be Skyped around the world. Because I've had a few people from different areas. I know someone in Iceland and uh, that I met through Facebook. Got uh, other people you know, all over the world, uh, England, UK, uh, that that want to hear the show. So if you you want to do that, you know, you have to Skype us, okay? But you can hear the show. 
Um, so what other stories do we have here? We talked a little bit about the legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I actually um, found Washington Irvin's grave there one day. It was kind of cool to see it. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'll take it down one day and, and show you um, um, the actual spot of it. Wasn't oh, you know one thing I wanted to bring up about the legend of Sleepy Hollow. There's one something they bring up about why uh, I guess Ichabod Crane, the character in the, in the book, stayed on the one side of the bridge. You know what the reason was for that? From a spiritual no. standpoint. I've, well, I'm I just sure read I've up heard on it before, that. but I'm not recalling it right now. Okay. Well, I'm going to read to you. Um, this was written on October 31st, responses to the story behind Sleepy Hollow. Um, let's see. This girl says, Aunt Tootie's favorite story, Boo. As far as me, okay, I'm reading you know, verbatim what she's doing here. As, mm-hmm. um, as for me, until I learned more about 19th century mourning and superstition, I had no idea that the reason Crane um, would, uh, would have been safe until after he crossed the bridge was due to the fact that spirits cannot cross over water. Was that a fact clear in the original story? I didn't recall. It's been too many years. Thanks for the spooky tale. And somebody replies, um, if I can but he- reach that bridge thought Ichabog, I was safe. He does not include it in the story. Brome tells Ichabog that the horseman exploded into flames when he tried to follow him across the bridge. Good stuff. So, okay, I live on the river, so maybe there aren't no spirits or they're all stuck on the side. <laughs> from, from the signs that I get all the time. Um, there's another legend here, um, a local legend. And... Um, Actually, I don't know if you knew that Grandpa's brother worked for the Lindhurst. I actually I just remember that the I Lindhurst did hear estate, that before, actually, yeah. Yeah, he was a superintendent, and that was something, a uh, show that I was into. And I, I have to be honest, back in the late 60s, I loved the show Dark Shadows. If anybody remembers it, with Barnabas Collins and the whole crew, he was a vampire, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Wendy loves and Dark I, Shadows. That's her favorite. Really? <laughs> well, favorite, well, it's funny. Favorite, I, like, has I, the books, has the DVDs. Obsessed with it. Well, I actually played hooky many times in schools because I wanted to see it. Now you can get the reruns <laughs> years later. Well, I heard, what did but you they, think Barnabas was like handsome? Barnabas, yeah, Barnabas Collins. Barnabas, yeah. 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 Bar- yeah. Barnabas Collins. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is they did a movie years later about Dark Shadows, and it was filmed at Lynnhurst where my dad's brother oh, worked. I which didn't is know that. I know Johnny Depp was there, but I didn't know that it was shot there. It's in Irvington, New York, uh, right out of Sleepy Hollow in the Tarrytown near the Tappanzee Bridge, which connects um, the New Jersey and New York side to each other. You know, the bridge uh, oh, within miles cool. of Maine. Yeah, and that the movie was filmed there. And actually, I would love to see it. I've never seen the movie movie because my great-grandfather, my dad's grandfather, uh, Henry Vesperman, was a carpenter from Germany. And a lot of his furnishings, uh, furniture, um, was donated to Lynnhurst, so part of my family's history and 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 uh, crafts, crafts craftsmanship or whatever you want to call it from my grandfather, great grandfather, mm-hmm. is in that that building at Lynnhurst. We should I would go take love a to go see, it. go see it. Oh heck <laughs> yeah! You know so now that I, I, 
back in the day, I could have went for free. I don't know what it cost, but my uncle was always telling me to come down. It was one of those things like everything else was, yeah, uh, when I get a chance type of thing. And now I could kick myself for not going then. But I would love to. I I love I love restorations. I, I love things of that sort. And I love history. And I, I bombed out every year in school. I mean, if you ask me questions about social studies or world history back then, I failed it. I'm not going to lie every year. I am now I, at 60, I'm craving this information. You know, it's like, oh, gosh, I missed that on so much. It was like an ADD thing with me, I guess, back then. I was a, a math wizard, okay? But when it came to that, bombed out every year. So you ask me where uh, Europe is, I'm like, it's over there somewhere. Type of deal, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to be a scholar. It's up, up in here, up in here. We're going to make me lose my mind. <laughs> so anyhow, I don't say any callers. Where are you tonight? Come on, you got to have stories, you know. Um, there is another um, story I did want to share about Croton, and I actually downloaded a bunch of stuff last night, but then I ran out of uh, printer ink, and with the snow, I couldn't get out to get some today, and it's I wanted to enlarge this, but there is a... Uh, part of the Croton history and mysteries uh, is, I don't know, if did you ever hear of a thing called, I think I asked you once before, the mystery of the devil's footprint? No, I haven't heard of that. It sounds familiar, like I may have heard that actual title, that there mm-hmm. was a story, but I've never heard the actual backstory to that. Oh, th- this is not, this isn't just a legend. This has been, from what I understand, I'm not into the devil, believe me. I'm not, no, nothing to do with that, black magic or whatever. Everything that we want. No, no, that's total opposite. But it's, <laughs> it says here, it was, uh, this was um, by someone by McShear posted this, November 12, 2013, The Mystery of the Devil's Footprints. And this happened in the town I grew up in. But they found these footprints, supposedly, from what I, I've skimmed over, and I'm, I really need a magnifying glass. Sorry about that. But it says, um, the simple question, this simple question was recently posted to a group of Crotonites, expert in local history in Hudson Valley geology, and some people who grew up here and explored all of Croton's old ruins and haunted places in their youth. They all had the same reply, what footprints? The answer takes us back more than a century to Alfred Gardner. Per- Gardner, weren't you? Isn't that your last aunt's last name too? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it just hit me where I hear that name before. On her mom's side. Okay. So mm-hmm. he purchased most of the land on Hessian Hills. If you grew up in this area, you know where that is, and built a magnificent, magnificent estate. As the New York Times reported in 1906, A.P. Gardner has had bought the Hessian Hill Farm at Croton and Hudson from the Cockcroft Estate. It was the frontage of the Hudson and extends back over a mile. Hessian Hill has its elevation of 600 feet and commands a fine view of the river. Mr. Gardner will improve the property, they said extensively, and make it, make it his country home. Um, did Gardner know he had acquired the Devil's Footprints? This I don't even like. This creeps me out. We may never know, but six years after he purchased the property, and this is interesting, the New York Press revealed the whole fascinating story in an article that was picked up in a newspaper across the country. And this is in my hometown. And I'll read this real quick. The Devil's Footprints, Mysterious Footprints in the Solid Rock on the East and West Banks of the Hudson of Croton have puzzled even scientists who believe they may have been made by uh, primeval, what is it, primeval, I can't read this, primeval man, uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, primeval men before the Stone Age, on the east, uh, on the east coast shore, uh, along the old, on the east shore, I'm sorry, along the old Albany Post, Post Road, and the bottom of the sleep, sleep hill, 
oh, sorry, steep hill belonging to A.P. Gardner Estate lies a huge boulder shadowed by tall trees. Its smooth surface bears the imprint of a pair of human feet placed side by side, as if it was barefooted man and walked down the hill and stood on the spot while the stone was still soft and yielding from nature's uh, crucible. Um, every toe is clearly defined, and judging it from the mold he left in the granite, the foot of this ancient man was large and shapely. Behind the footprints, all the way in the top of the rock, are a series of peculiar indentations such as the length of heavy chains, uh, which could be made in soft earth. Exactly opposite on the high mountain on the other side of the Hudson, the footprints again appear on the rock, but with the heels and, the, and turned toward the river, as if the man was traveling, <clears throat> traveling away, excuse me, away from due west. But actual measurement of the footprints on both sides of the river correspond in every particular and were um, undoubtedly made by the same pair of feet. That's a little creepy. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's really scary. I don't so want to go there. <laughs> no, no, that's not where we're going. But this this happened in Croton, and and yeah. uh, you know, and this is something that was published in news, newspapers countrywide and all over the world. You know, what have you? I never even heard of it. Wow. Uh, to be honest with you, I was doing some of my research last night, which I tend to do, and uh, I stumbled across this article. I think right now that's where the uh, the big golf club is up in Croton. Um, okay. Well, isn't that well? Hessian Hills is off of Mount Airy, but they're all connected, you know. And Mount Airy is the section where um, most, uh, um, you know, a lot of the, the the artists that came to Croton and the and the, the actors and what have you lived. It's a very rich mm-hmm. area of Croton. Um, Did you ever hear about the haunted warehouse in Croton? You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. I did not hear about that. And when I ran out of ink last night, I was just Mm -hmm. going to print about that. Where is this haunted warehouse? And tell me the story. Okay, so I don't know the exact location, but here's the thing. So there's Mm -hmm. a haunted warehouse that people visit. It's actually on private property. Some people sneak in. Some people get permission. So it's hidden behind holes in a big fence, okay? But once you get into the warehouse... Huh? Mm-hmm. So once you, know you enter this warehouse, thing? you hear constant scratching, knocking, and then the entrance door just opening. It opens and closes constantly. Nobody's there. Really? It just literally yeah, I was reading about it last night. I honestly got yeah. I never heard of it. Well, I'm glad you right. brought that the up. The legend is that two people were actually murdered in the basement, and they haunt this entire warehouse, and that's why you always hear the constant noises is because their uh-huh. spirit is living there. Well, let me ask you something. Um, when was this supposed murder taking place? Like in the in, in the twentieth century or the twenty first century? I'm not sure. Or I was reading up on it too, but it didn't give an exact date. It just said it's mm-hmm. known as one of the most haunted places in Croton. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of some of the the most haunted, I, I think I'll share another story. Um, when I was a teenager, I had a a friend of mine who's um, actually her family actually. Uh, lived half the year in France and half the year here. The last name was Science. And um, she would come stay during, well, the summer. And we became very good friends. And uh, they had their maids' quarters and their, they were on the, the banks, uh, connected also to the Van Cortlandt Manor House, looking over the Croton River, coming mm-hmm. down, the waters coming from the dam into the, into the Hudson. And um, she warned me at 13 that my house was haunted. Now, her house was the for- formerly owned by Clifton Harmon, who was the builder. I think 
He came, I'd say, if I recall, it was 1906 to Croton. He was a big land developer, blah, 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 built a lot of our uh, streets for because he did horse racing and, uh, uh, and car racing. And actually, I lived in that area where the streets were all in circles. Um, there was a little controversy over in my book because uh, someone had corrected me that there was one circle near where he lived directly where he actually did the racing, but I was told different. So, But anyhow, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. This was his house. He was also with – I wish I could remember her name. If anyone knows the name, listening from Croton. Um, there was an actress, uh, a singer, uh, opera star, or what have you, he was with. And I don't know whether I guess he, it was his mistress at the time or whatever, but this house was the actual house off of Nordica Drive in Croton. Nordica, that was her name, Nordica. Duh. <laughs> okay. Uh, Erica Nordica, <laughs> or something clue. like okay. that. Yeah, yeah, what, what gave me the first hint, right? <laughs> this blonde thing's got to go. So anyhow, this was his actual house. Of course, I think, you know, the years went on and renovated and what have you. But my girlfriend, her name was Magic. <laughs> um, we had stayed. Yeah, I know. That's cool. We like 13, whatever. <laughs> but... Um, her her two brothers were there for the summer at the time, and they were in another room. This house was, oh, my gosh, gorgeous, gorgeous. And it was also, I wanted to mention, adjacent to other houses in that area where we uh, called the Cliffs, uh, Dickie's Cliffs, we called it, uh, to the Makata Inn, which was a Japanese inn years ago, and then bought by the senior family of Croton, who I happen to be very good friends with. And Spent a lot of, uh, you know, holidays, uh, Christmas Eve parties at their home, what have you, which was, you know, the next corner up. But because of the, what was it, whatever war was going on at the time, I should have researched a little more. They actually had tunnels. It wasn't like the, under, I don't think it had anything to do with the Underground Railroad or anything like that. But they had tunnels that went from each house in that area on Nordica Drive down Truesdale Drive in Croton, if, you know, for my Croton people that know the area. But anyhow, we that night, we the maid was off, so we slept in the maid quarters. And they had a big picture on the wall, and if you open the picture, it was the actual tunnels to the Makata, the former Makata Inn. And you can research this all on Google if you want. And, um, well... I have to say, I think it was the first time that I've seen anything spooky in my life, okay? <laughs> uh, we were kind of goofing like teenagers do and, and what have you and sharing stories and talking about boys and the whole nine when we both heard a noise. Well, if I recall that tunnel, and her brothers were in the other room, so they weren't even near the maid's quarters at the time. There was no way for them to come into it. But all of a sudden, where the picture hung, the door like opened up by itself. And we both saw an apparition. Well, I think that was the last time I stayed in that house. Yeah, I think you were a little bit scared to stay there. It freaked me out. And then it's funny, years later, one more thing I want to share about this house. There was the, uh, I don't think they're still published anymore, the Daily Newspaper in New York. Um, They did a big article on the people after the sciences moved from that home, the people that had bought the house, because she had shared there were weird things happening all the time there. But they actually did a ghost story on that house with the next owners that they were actually – Things were dripping into pots and pans and, and, and look almost like bloody. Like So it, I, I don't think it was good spirits in that house. No, it sounds good like bad energy whatever. to me. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad I never stayed there again. And like I said, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was like, wow. You know, it was definitely a wow moment. But uh, after seeing what I saw, it even scares me, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had things like this before. I mean, you know, there's um, – um, have you ever seen an apparition yourself or, or felt like you've seen something? Yeah. I haven't seen an apparition, no. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I um I've more like felt things, you know what I mean? Like a a cold right. dust of air around me or you know mm-hmm. We I actually have signs, taken some pictures I've never seen an of... actual ghost ever. Yeah. Well we have seen have pictures, you and I both, that things have appeared. Yeah, we have like orbs, more. definitely like yeah. you know, spirits. Well, we have some like that, but you... I've just never literally like seen you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, and, yeah like in the flesh, because they're not really in the flesh. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to share a story that I'm sharing in my next book that I don't think I've mentioned on the show before. Um, it's from my late son. My my daughter passed uh, Mother's Day 2002, my son February 2011. I don't know, did I talk about this on the show? I, I don't remember. But my son, um, it was New Year's Day, a month and one day before he passed, and I usually slept at the hospital with him, but I had the mess, and I was I was under the weather, and the doctor said, you have to go home and rest. And So when he was at the local hospital before he got transported to his main hospital in the city. So it was New Year's Day. I spent New Year's Eve with him and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that year and before he passed and whatever. And he was, he was, he was pretty sick, but yet he was coherent at the time. And um, I'm getting ready New Year's Day, which happened to be my husband and their father's birthday, who, who passed uh, nine months before my son. And the phone rings, and it's my son who's, you know, as sick as he was, he, he was a brave soldier. He was crying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's the matter? He goes, Mom, you got to get here. And I'm like, well, I'm on my way. He goes, no, you don't know what just happened. And it's very coherent. And I said, what? He goes, Meg was just here. Meg was my late daughter. I said, what do you mean Meg was there? I said, maybe you're dreaming. Did they give you something to sleep? No, Mom. I was sleeping. I felt something pushing on my arm. I opened my eyes, and my sister was standing by my bed saying to me, you got to get out of here. Now, he felt, because um, what happened was he actually belonged in the city where his doctors were, but they were booked solid, so he had to be in the hospital and wasn't able to get a bed at the other place yet, so he felt that she was coming to um, let kind him know like you got to get to the other hospital. hospital right? Yeah, exactly. That's what his right. which he, we ended up going like I think the next day. Uh they found a bed and uh we went. So he found some peace in that. But he also said to me when I arrived at the hospital, this wasn't the first time my daughter came to him. And I'm like, What? And, and as much as I've had things and I, I question things still, I'm, I'm you know, was I'm, he kind I'm of embarrassed to tell you? Like was he yeah, worried yeah, that you yeah, were gonna yes. believe him or Exactly. I think yeah. so. But he, he but he would not tell me. He goes, But I'm not gonna talk about those two other times. Mm-hmm. He till till his, you know, dying day never told me what happened. And just that day that he had to get out of there, I personally think um I believe that our Lost loved ones and ones that go before us come to get us. Uh, you've heard that time and time, I'm sure, again, time and time again, that they do make appearances. And, and uh, working with the elderly like I did for years, I, I was at a few bedsides when they passed. Uh, and uh, I saw things, uh, I saw them talking to, to things that weren't, that I didn't see. 
and I, I didn't experience myself, but only through them, including my own mother, that this happened. And this is where, over the years, with everything that has happened, has convinced me that there's more than what meets the eye, you know. And I do believe my daughter did come to take him home that day on his dad's birthday, but he, he was a tough cookie, and he refused to go till a month and a day later. And... Um, so I just wanted to share that story with you. And uh, I also talk in the next book about rally, which I've seen. You know what rally is, Melissa? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, well, towards those... the end of their life, it's almost as if they're not sick, like they come back to how they used to be, and you mm-hmm, kind of don't mm-hmm. believe 100% that they're, you know, as bad off as they are. And then that's exactly. basically right before they leave, right? That they're almost at yeah, their it's... best and speaking and knowledgeable and... Oh yeah, oh yeah. Almost like a second I, um, wind. I would describe it as like exact, a second I call wind. It, of... I call it like a light bulb. You know, you know yeah. how a light bulb right before it blows, it gets really bright, yeah. and then it dies. Okay, well that's that's my explanation of uh, rally. I've mm-hmm. seen it happen with my husband who died nine months before my son. Uh, I saw it with my son. I saw it with my father and my mother. Um, with each incident, it was almost unbelievable. It was 15 minutes before my mother passed. Uh, she had been so sick. She had Alzheimer's for 12 years, and she couldn't talk, right, Melissa? For what, the last two years, she yeah. really couldn't communicate with you. She would communicate well, with me through song. Yes, That's through song. And I taught, I taught her that. It was something that yeah. I taught her because I was working. Ironically, I was a, a plumber with a broken toilet that couldn't be fixed mm-hmm. because I specialize in Alzheimer's and dementia. But I couldn't help my own mother. And I was frustrated, you know. But I did find that uh, there's what the parts of the brain, and I'm not a scholar on this one either, there's the, 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 communi- the, the one that you communicate with and the reactive, the one you sing with. That's not the same part. That's, for instance, right, they're like, two completely the, different parts of the brain. Different parts of the brain for communication. So she has a higher degree of memory recall on the side where she can sing as opposed to the side right. where she can communicate. Exactly. And, for instance, there was a singer, Mel Tillerson. He was a country singer. The man had such a horrific stuttering problem. But when he sang, he didn't stutter. And this happens to many people. And I found through my mother, it helped my other Alzheimer patients, um, and with her too. I don't know whether what, the, what came first, but we could communicate through song. And so we would sing. That's how we talked. But she couldn't talk. I mean, I would say the last mm-hmm. two years of her life. But well, she three would say she, passed, she would call me Margaret all the time, though. I don't know if you well, know that. Well, yeah, that's me. That's me. When that's I used to visit her bedside, she would say Margaret, mm-hmm. and I would say, No, it's Melissa. Mm-hmm. But she swore yep. up and down that I was Margaret when I came to visit and I was singing to her. Of course, like I said, Margaret's my real, my formal name. You know, Peggy's mm-hmm. a nickname, and so was my grandmother. So she may have been thinking you were either grandma or me. Yeah. Um, but I well, feel what like happened because was, of what happened with her, like, she made my entire family love singing that much more because that was the only way I communicated with her. So I did everything right. in the song from well, <laughs> such like a young I said, age she up could, until now. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love to she, sing. Um, oh, I know that. I know that. That's a big <laughs> thing in our family. That's a big yeah. thing in our family. Well, what happened was um, three weeks before she died, they, I, I think I did talk about this on one of the show, and I won't go into the whole detail, but I was one of six kids. Uh, since then, two, I've lost two siblings, but they wanted me to sign the DNR for her. I, I said, absolutely not, unless the other five siblings were with me, made the calls. They were you know, a couple in different counties, and I said, I'm not doing this alone. So you come to the bedside, blah, blah, blah. Melissa's father, 
and he can, I'm sure, tell you the story. He was on one side of my mother. I was on the other side of my mother, and my mother's brother was at the end of her bed. And my mother was reaching out like she was seeing something, and she started calling, looked at her brother and started calling him by name repetitively, and he started to cry, and he was a tough guy. So I think I did talk about this on another show. But this is the part of Rally. She, she kept saying his name, like talking, not singing it. And mm-hmm. she reached out, and I looked at your father, Melissa, and he looked at me, and we both heard the same thing. She reached out with this big smile on her face, and she said, as clear as day, the angels are here. The angels. Oh, I didn't know the story. Oh, yeah, ask your dad about so that. Cute. I just gave me chills. Just gave me chills. Yep. yep. That's beautiful. And I it, she passed. Ended up three weeks later. She held on. Ended up back in the nursing home. I went to see her after my husband's aunt's funeral. Ironically, the same the day. I just come in from a funeral. I went to go see her. She was sitting up in the bed, and I have to say, part of the rally, and I've seen it with my son, her, my father, a few other people, my husband, the light of God I saw in their eyes. I, I, that's the only way I can describe it. Their eyes were so clear and bright and beautiful. And some people say, oh, it's a lack of oxygen, but yeah, to me it was the light of God. Yeah, no, um, I definitely believe that it was the light of God. I don't think it was a lack of oxygen. Oh, no. People so here, you know, like I'm sitting that. with her, and I'm looking at her, yeah. and she's smiling, and I see her eyes are beautiful, and... I said, you son of a gun, you kicked this. I said, you fooled the mom. She smiled at me. And the, the nurse came in and says, well, you know, I'm going to feed her now, blah, 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 blah. So I said, okay, mom, you know, I was exhausted after three days of wakes and funerals. And I left the nursing home. And I lived about maybe 10 minutes from the nursing home. And I noticed her in a walk in my door. And my brother from the next county calls me. He goes, Peg, the nursing home just called me. You've got to get back. You've got to get up to the nursing home. Mom's about ready to die. I said, wait a minute. I left her 10 minutes ago. She was fine. Well, I turned around, got back in my car, went up there. I got to the door. She was already gone. So she ran say goodbye to me. Um, my husband did the same thing, was in a, uh, on full life support for the last two months of his life, went to see him. I had him in one ICU. I had my son in another ICU, both in the city at the same time. Something made me get a cab that day and go over to the hospital. My husband had come out of the coma. He was trying to talk to me, trying to pull the the, the, the vent, ventilator out, the whole nine, asked me what happened to him. Looked healthy. I thought he was getting better. Seven hours later, he passed. Okay. Uh, my dad, the same thing. He had just looked really good. And then you know, I think it was like a week later, he passed. Um, but that's part of the rallies, you know, the, the, the light bulb, you know, getting bright and then burning out. So I think it's like the second when God lets them come back and, and, and say it's their goodbyes to you, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's a topic that I, I go into more detail in my next book, and uh, I mm-hmm. find quite interesting, you know, because I've seen it happen so many times. And just the look on their face, it just, it's got to be the light of God, you know, the light of God, you know. So yeah. they're between both worlds and what have you, so. But anyhow, I don't know what's up, Melissa. There ain't no callers here tonight. <laughs> That's okay. I think they're listening on? to our really interesting stories about the hauntings and just trying to take it all in, you know? Maybe they'll call in mm-hmm. a little while. Yeah, that's not a problem. Like I said, I mean, don't be bashful if you want to call. If you don't, we'll just talk, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that have happened. Um Oh, gosh. Uh, we've had, like, we've discussed two uh, pictures we've taken where it's beyond mm-hmm. the that We've actually seen faces in it. I've, I've posted them on Facebook. 
sent me a couple. Um, we had, I think, the one of the more next to the one I had at uh, one of my events where my husband's face totally appeared in the picture, mm-hmm. um, was the night you had left my home, you and your mom, after we had a, with the Compassionate Friends of America across the USA. We, we actually have a date now for in memory of our late children across the U.S., and we do a candlelighting, uh, candlelighting ceremony, which was December 8th um, this year, and uh, in memory of our children, kind of like our Christmas without the kids, what have you. And Melissa and her mom had come down to, to, to do the candles with me, and uh, we shared some muffins and hot cocoa and all that corny stuff, right, Melissa? But it was great. Oh, I loved it. Oh, cute little. Stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really adorable. Yeah, it was great. No, I loved it. Some people are like, oh, Peggy doing muffins? and Yes, I do hot cocoa with muffins, and I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like it's a night of remembrance, though. You know, it's like that's it's what a it nice was. to make that's... your memories known and to think about them. And not well, that's what it is. Be... That's... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it know, wasn't like, you know, a like party night. It was more of a positive was a, light on it. Exactly. Exactly. No, no I'm not putting I'm just saying it was memories. a great night. It was a great night. Right. Well, just, I think you know, we'll, to share their positive memories and, you know, the love exactly. that you Exactly, which people. we need because a lot of people don't, you know, they, they're like, go on with your life, you know. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I function. I get up. I do my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't sit here on uh, people some things, Facebook, because my thing is always on. and I'm not on it all day long, here and there, you know, in between cooking, cleaning, and uh, talking to friends, and going grocery shopping, and maybe it's not, well, we have to do the movie thing. I haven't been to a movie in a while, but karaoke, we've gone. I mean, so I do other things, you know, I go on with life, you know. But um, that that was one night that is set aside for for my kids, you know, that, that not only mine, but every other grieving parent. And I had actually was going over my uh, stats today on my, my board here for the radio show. And um, I have to say, the night I did the show on a parent's grief and things to say and not, not what, what not to say to us, that had the most people on my show ever. Yeah, I was constantly, well, I'm not surprised about that, but, uh, you know, each mm-hmm. week we, we talk of spirituality. That's my show. That's the genre of my right. show, and it's not just eebie-jeebies and ghost stories and whatever. It's very positive things to, to comfort other families that are going through this uh, with mm-hmm. an understanding that I have as a, a grieving parent twice over, um, right. that I know what they're feeling, you know. Um, well, so, I feel like that show is so educational because, you know, you think mm-hmm. of when people pass away, it is really hard to figure out what to say to people. And even me listening to it, I mean, I know you're my aunt and everything, but it was mm-hmm. really educational to me to hear what people like to hear if they've lost a child, what they don't want to right. hear, what things comfort exactly. them, what things you shouldn't ever say. I mean, for exactly. me, even my perspective, I was enlightened by that show. To hear, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm always one of those people, if somebody passes away, I'm like, can I do something? Is there anything I can do? But I really don't know. Like, what do you say? How can you? Mm-hmm. You can't bring them back. How do you help people? You know what I mean? Like, well, I was you, so hit, you, honey, you hit the nail on the head there because what you said is one of the more appropriate things because right. people don't realize. And, and you know, I, like I said, I've, I've touched on the subject, and I probably will on many shows again mm-hmm. because uh, people need to hear this. You know, they haven't heard the show before. Um, not saying you're going to always come across anyone, or if you ever that lost children, but my own experience from 
being on both ends. I mean, I my children were here for 20-some years, and I've had friends that lost children, and, and I've been on the, the other end where it's like, what do you say to them? Oh, my God, I, I never want to be in that position. I knew that there was mm-hmm. a chance with my children's illness. But to be honest with you, you you don't know it until it actually happens to you. Like I said, you mm-hmm. – you, and if you, you – if, if you, the parent, even though you're, like I said, the cousin, and you're, of course your feelings are deep, the parent's feeling, multiply what you're feeling maybe times a thousand. That's what I depth. figured, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know how to put it. Maybe a million. There, There's such a wound in a grieving parent that, that will never go away. Um, and I can't express this. Uh, I, I, I think it's no way, there's no way to words. It words. It's like... You feel it in mm-hmm. your heart. You know what I mean? Every day exactly. you live so it. Deeply. But it's really hard yeah, for you it to feels say like your that exact out. emotion that you're feeling. And like I said you know? on that show, many many before and after, that uh, that grief you never – I mean, grief you go on with. Yes, I do go on with it. But with a, a parent's grief, you don't ever, ever, ever <laughs> – you're never over it. You You function. Uh, you function the best way you can, but it hits you like a ton of bricks at times, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all part of it. You know, I can't change what I feel. I can't change what other grieving parents feel. Um, it's our feelings, and, and like I said today about some other subject, we all have free will. We are all entitled to what we feel. Don't take that from somebody. You know, if if you really care about this somebody, if it's just not something to say to them that are grieving or, or you know. Um, because you know you're you're all there the day of the funeral and the day before bringing food like in my case I people were here even before I got home cleaning my house and because I was at the hospital so much and may, bringing food in which was wonderful wonderful and I thanked them so much and setting fruit baskets and that's hunky dory it's kind of like the the day of the wedding and once the wedding's over the big big show's over then now it's back to reality well that's the way the, yeah. the funeral is too it's almost After like a that, moment like a dream right. Like you don't feel well, like it's yeah, real sometimes. There's, there's, we've talked about that. There's stages of grief, and uh, right. uh, parents parents stages of grief. The, that last stage is the reality. It's like it really does hit you. Like they're they're, they're not here, and how do I do this? You know, I, and how do I function around other people that have kids? And 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 it's very hard. I've, I've talked about this before. It's very hard for us. Very hard for us, and um, you know, we we're, like I said before, we don't uh, put you down, of course, because we're glad that your your life's good and you're watching the weddings and the graduations and things that I never got to share with Mark. You know, um, Meg had children, um, so I'm I'm grateful for that. Mark didn't, um, so I'm missing out on a lot of things that you guys that I, I see a lot of people, especially on Facebook, and they, oh my God, the empty nest thing. My kids are away at school. But you know the difference? They come home on vacation. They come home for the summer. When you lose your kids, they don't come home anymore. Can you imagine what our emptiness syndrome feels like? There's no way. If you feel that bad when they go away to school and knowing that they come home, how about if they, like me, they die? How are you supposed to feel? Yeah, it's literally we all sit there. We all in our, our, our human mind sit there, I think, sometimes, and we wait for them to come. I still hear my son was a race car driver, and uh, somebody says to me, oh, you talk about your life too much. Well, sorry, I have to talk about my life to have other people understand that may be going through it. I mean, that's the only way you can relate, and I want other people out there that are going through the grief to know they're not alone, that somebody's there for them, you know? 
And um, but I, 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 my son drove race cars, and his car made a certain noise, and a lot of his friends in the area, and um, the one main road is behind my home, and I hear these cars go down the street, and like he used to, and I could always tell, okay, here, here, here comes Mark. Every time I, it, it's almost like a post-traumatic stress thing for me. I hear these cars going by, and I sit here, and it's like, oh no, it, it's not him. It's not that I'm, I'm not facing reality, but it's, mm. it's kind of like a moment you have, you know? It's like, well, it's almost like a reaction because you were so used to hearing it uh-huh. and thinking mm-hmm. that it was him. You know what I mean? It's like in the back of your mind. Exactly, and that's that's like even after he passed, like I said, you go through the show and everybody's there and all of a sudden everything stops, and then you're faced with the reality. reality. Now for, since 1973 my daughter was born and my son died in 2011, so figure out what, 38 years? I've dealt, I dealt with um, cystic fibrosis, 38, 39 years, right? No, 38, 38 years. Um, I had other children without it, but the two with it, uh, there was a routine, and, and, and Meg moved out 11 years before she passed and had her own family and what have you, and Mark was with me, and so it was the daily, more so with him, the daily routine of nebulizing and cleaning equipment and IVs, and, and actually I was feeding him at the end with uh, uh, in the veins because he couldn't even use a feeding tube, and I was going 24-7, you know, between the hospitalizations and being here. It was, it was really beyond a full-time job, and then all of a sudden it stops, and I don't know who I am anymore, you know. I didn't know who I was. Like, I would get up in the morning and start the sterilizing of the equipment and whatever, and all of a sudden it all stopped, mm-hmm. and... I was glad he was at peace because he did suffer. But on the other hand, it was – I didn't know who I was anymore. It's only recently that I, I've begun to rediscover who maybe I was or him because or, I've, I've been doing this since I was 19 years old, and I'm 60 now. And up until three years ago, this was my life. So it took a lot of time to uh, adjust to – not having to get up and sterilize the equipment and set up the medications and the IVs and the doctor appointments and the chest pounding to, to break up that mucus and the the, the machine. It, 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 people don't know with CF what it involved. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, more so than any illness that I've ever known. You know, it wasn't just about chemo and and there were meds that were like chemo that he had to take and he lost his hair and 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 then I had to give him special stuff to to try to grow his hair back, you know, to, to break down his foods, but I won't go into all the details, but it was tough, so I had to rediscover who I was, but in the process after his death, um, everything stopped, and people stopped calling, and I, I think, what was it, Melissa, I don't know, I guess you were reading Facebook then, for about five weeks after, six weeks, I was going nuts on mm-hmm. Facebook, I was swearing, I was t- thinking, of, I'm going to go jump in the, the river, you know. Yeah. I was going through emotions because I didn't know what to do. Uh, this was I so real. I think you were just trying and... to vent the frustration mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like such a sudden life change. Like you're used to your life exactly. being a certain exactly. way, and then all of a sudden, within like one moment, everything mm-hmm. changes, and you're like, now mm-hmm. what? You know what I mean? Like this has been my life exactly. for how many years? Like now I have to get used to something completely different. You know? Yes, and I think a lot of grieving parents. So. Well, you know what, and and it's not only, um, yeah, CF was tough, and, and, and children mm-hmm. with leukemia cancer are tough, and, and but there's also people that have lost their kids to suicide, and, and I, I don't, 
I think it's only fair to discuss this because I said before, the, the bottom line is we've all lost our kids, whether it be right. suicide, drug overdose, uh, murder, whatever. It happens. Any kind of loss. But, the, you know but it all stops. No matter what the I mean, the whole, is lost. So. The whole, exactly. The whole process stops, you know, and then the kid isn't mm-hmm. there anymore, you know. And uh, and it's like you just lose who you are, your your identity, you know, the right. the mommy that's supposed to put the band aid on the cut. Who you and, you are. Exactly. So I just want to make people aware of that you know what, give uh, a grieving parents a break, you know, and don't put like a year, two, three, because it's never, it's going to change, it's going to get different, but it never gets better. Okay, it, I have to say it never gets better. And I you feel know, like friends and family can help build that strength back up. You know, as opposed to yeah, people being like, oh, maybe they need I mean, help, whatever. But it is kind of helpful yep. to have friends and family there to also and to have someone to talk to. You, you know, right? I, I have people that look at me and I, I, they've actually looked at me as like, oh God, you're not going to start in again. Like, fine. So I, I don't. Then you shut up and you don't even talk about it. And I can understand they 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 want to go on with their lives and whatever. Well, yay mm-hmm. them. You know, I'm trying to go on with mine too. And if the only way I can do it is to get some of these emotions out, that's the right. way I did it. That's you know, part of your so life. in mean, other I words, the hell with you, Peg. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're very insensitive, but but on the other hand, I understand that you know everybody wants to be happy, happy, joy, joy. So mm-hmm. do I, you know. But it's not happy, happy, joy, joy the way it used to be, you know. Right. And um, I just want to emphasize that that uh, be a little more uh, empathetic. Uh, it, the empathy with this, unfortunately, is what happens. It's not fortunate, unfortunate. Shouldn't even use mm-hmm. that word, but you don't know. Until it, something like this happens, you you can't you really can't feel what we're feeling. You can't even say, "I can only imagine," because you really can't. Right. There's no way it's to imagine. It's kind of like this. that and, song, like mm-hmm. the Elvis song, like "Walk a Mile in My Shoes." Like, put yourself exactly. in that person's perspective. Try to imagine mm-hmm. a day in the life of that person, and then mm-hmm. you'll see what it's like. You know, it's very easy for us to sit back and judge and be like, "Oh, you know, they're they're upset again, whatever." No, you don't know what they live through every day. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. So until you yep. kind of ask them. You know, what was life mm-hmm. like? Tell me the memories, just like you said in your previous show. Like, what was yeah, one of your any... fondest memories of your children? Bring up the yeah. good. You know what I mean? Try to yeah, get I mean, them well, and, and be there for I them. I have found, well, I've found that a lot of people would rather I didn't talk about them like they never existed. I even found certain mm-hmm. family members that have done that to me, which shocked me at times. See, I want the exact because... opposite. I want to know everything, that all the cute no, memories, all the little no, things. Me. Well, yeah. that's fine, but there are people that think that I should not talk about. Well, they're gone. Let it let it rest. I've had mm-hmm. people say to me uh, that uh, I won't go into who, but really shocked me. I yet. feel like they're at that point been gone for ten years. Like that. It was said to me they've been gone for ten years. Right. Like, I get another ten. I'm like, I can't believe you said that to me. How rude! But yet the person that said it to me, I'm sure, is hurting too because they were very probably close. very insensitive. So. Yeah, yeah, and no. Well, what I'm saying is that that they haven't really dealt with their hurt and their pain. And um, mm-hmm. I don't want to prolong that for them, but you know what? I'm entitled to my feelings too, and I own them. Just like I said before, you know, we were talking about um, being—I'm um, I'm not even going to say harassed, but being um, judged for me having, uh, you know, uh, things happening, things happening around me that I believe is them. I mean, there's no coincidence. These—it's not just like one thing that's happened that right. I, I don't like. These things happen either. I just want to go on my life. I don't want ghosts coming to me, and I don't want, you know, smelling of stuff. And, yeah, sometimes it was nice knowing that they were around me, but do you think of this the way I want to live my life? No, it's not. I want well, to live like, like everybody else. When you ask for a sign, you know, if you are mm-hmm. a religious person and you believe in God and you do believe in spirituality, 
sometimes the reason mm-hmm. you're given a sign is for peace, is for comfort. I mean, mm-hmm. I've asked for signs before, too, where I'm really, like, I'm praying. I'm praying, praying to God and being like, I right. need a sign to know they're okay. Like, I can't sleep at night. I can't, whatever. And yep. I usually get a sign. So I, I truly believe, just from my perspective and yours, the mm-hmm. reason we're getting these signs is from God, is from our loved ones and from heaven. It's not bad. It's no, not I, and I, it kills you know me when I mean? people... It's spiritual. When That's people it. say it's like, oh, you know, it's the it's the devil, and this is what he does. Well, it, I'm sure he does do that with certain people. Right, I'm but sure he to me people, that would but be negative. It, then, yeah. This is not negative. This what I'm feeling, and positive. I'm trying to give to others is the comfort. I mean, if if I don't think the devil wants to comfort you, I'm yeah. comforted by the it's signs. Quite the opposite, I even I'm actually. Sure. Today, um, I wrote something on Facebook. Here we go back to Facebook. But my uh, the lady that I say, because I, you know, that Melissa and I both can read to a point. We're new at it. I mean, it's always been there, but you know, we're, it's not what the show is about tonight. You know, about reading. Seems like we get more calls when people want to be read, but um, we can't read ourselves, okay? Or and that we're close to each other, we really can't read each other. Or we have, right, Melissa? We've kind of read each other a little bit. Yeah. But I, I, go to I don't know my own future, but I can usually tell. Yeah, it's not even about future. People. It's not fortune telling. It's it's it's, right. it's about it's just certain feeling things. But that you get I, I I go to if you want to call her professional, pretty well known, intuitive Deborah uh, Hanlon, and um, she's a very busy woman, and she's an uh, Irish Catholic girl, if I recall, and um, she's an intuitive, and she actually took time out today. Something had happened on Facebook, and I'm not going to put anybody down for their beliefs, but uh, it was actually rude that was, what was put on my Facebook, and I had to block the person. Yeah. Not because I, I can't handle any kind of um, controversy or whatever or other people's opinion, but when you get downright rude about it and mean, mm-hmm. that's when you've well, got to get out of my way. she was testing you, though. You know, she was asking you very mm-hmm. specific questions, and... There is no answer yeah. to what she was asking you. There was no answer at all. No, there all. isn't. And no, because I'm not so God. I don't nice pretend to be God, said. and I'm, I'm yeah. we're all part of His workers. I mean, I'm I'm no I'm not any more special because I wrote a book and lost kids or have the radio show now. I'm not any more special than any one of you. We are all special. We're all God's children. We're all here for a purpose. We're all here to, for a job to do. We're all here to love each other. And when you start when something I consider if you want to call it. I'm not really in the what people think maybe New Age or whatever. I'm not calling it this a light worker, but it's not the light to bring people closer to him. Um, and because of what I went through, it's brought me closer, and I feel that this is my job to do now because uh, I've been used as an example. If I can survive the worst of worst, you know. But if you're going to sit there and I'm, I, I can debate to a point. It shouldn't even be a debate. But don't tell me because you have relatives that are Christian for 25 years. I've been a Christian for 60 years. I was born in the church. My dad worked there long before I was born. Since he was 19, he was like 43 when I was born. So. Um, I grew up in the church, went to Sunday school, taught Sunday school, baptized, confirmed the whole nine. Um, you know, um, I'm a Christian. I don't pretend to be anything but. Uh, yes, I've read the Bible, and it, and I love the Bible. And um, Deborah, one of the things, if you want to uh, uh, reiterate uh, what she had said or talk about what she said, uh, you remember what she said today uh, about Jesus? Um, I don't remember verbatim what she said, but okay. I know that she was defending you as far as the woman who was questioning you, that she mm-hmm. was just saying that, you know, it's not 
it's not an exact science as to what people exactly. believe or as to mm-hmm. what happens at a certain time in our lives. It's chance. Yes. It's love. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't determine or pinpoint the exact moment that something is supposed to happen. And, you know, right. I don't know. She right. was just she was defending you, and her beliefs are very similar to ours. She just... She's an amazing person, so... Well, she is, and, because, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, this, the first time I went to her was after my sister passed in 2006, and she really didn't know me, but she brought everyone mm-hmm. through and things that nobody knew. So she convinced me. I, even though I've had the gift my whole life, um, I doubted it. Uh, she even said that she doubted her own. I mean, when things start coming out of my mouth, and I know you too, Melissa, when somebody asks for a reading and you either feel it or you don't, and you don't know where – I don't I, – well, coming from obviously God uh, that I feel. I don't feel it's a dark spirit because it's helping people. Um, I don't know where it comes. I just – you know, it's like if God gives you a gift, like if you become a nun or a priest or whatever, that's your calling. I right. believe this is my calling to help others, and I'm. You can sit and put me down, or ridicule me, or tell me, "Oh, you're going straight to hell," or you know, God won't accept you. I'm doing this in the name of Him. I'm. I've, I'm not doing it for any other source. I'm not sitting here, uh, you know, worshiping devils or whatever. You can think whatever you want of me. People that know me and know my heart, yeah, I'm. I'm wild and crazy girl, you know, at times because I'm a humorous person. I'm fun loving, you know. But I'm a very open, very deep, um, good-hearted woman. You know, I would give you, and Melissa, you know, if you needed something, I'd be the first one there, even with mm-hmm. my crippled butt at times with my MS. <laughs> you know, if you're I'm hungry, like I'll too. feed you. I would totally help are, yes. anyone who ever needed it. Exactly. And that's I feel like what, it's part of who we are, you know. Well, that's it, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm sorry if some people think that I'm doing this for ego, doing it for whatever reason, but it's only for the goodness of, of people. Um, because I know the deepest pain of all, and I feel that other people that have gone through it, some can't quite cope. They may be in the first stages, of, but and I know what it was like because I really didn't have anybody there uh, to talk to on a one-on-one. When my daughter died, like I said before, there was no Facebook. There was no social interaction on the Internet, you know, really. Um, I didn't know what to do. I just had to kind of wing it. But like I said, with the fact that I had three other kids and, and another one with the illness, I kind of – I went on living. It was tough at times, but I had to pretty much take care of another child with it. But the difference was when he died, it, everything changed. Um, even though my, my husband and I weren't living together at the time, you know, we used to talk every day and and uh, remain friends and what have you. Um, you know, we weren't divorced or whatever. You know, we, we just separated for what our own reasons, you know. One of them was at the point Mark couldn't be around his dad because my husband was sick and he was sick and they couldn't be in the same residence because of the infections could keep going back and forth with both their illnesses. Okay, there was a lot of reasons for why I did what I did that a lot of people don't know. All right, but the bottom line was that um, when Mark died, my husband had passed nine months before him, um, so I couldn't talk to him about it anymore. Um, I felt like I had nothing. What am I supposed to do now? I have two other sons that are grown, and they have their own, you know, issues. I mean, you know, like any other family, you know, mom tries to help when they can, but they're grown men, you know. But I came to a standstill, and I didn't know where to turn, so I did. I Thank God I had Facebook. Facebook and Deborah saved my life. Um, 
I was very despondent at the time. I'm not going to lie. I thought about taking my own life, you know. I don't think I would have. But I was right at the crossroad there where I said there were four. Why? And I said, you know, that's selfish. I can't do this, you know, because all well, my other kids do. I couldn't have lost you, so. Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know. In some cases, you probably fit with, oh, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Yeah, right. No, no, I'm just kidding. But I, no, I've had a lot saying, of people tell me that. Life would never be the same if I lost my family members. It just... No, I know, I know, and I couldn't, there's been enough hurt in this family, there's been so many losses in a short amount of time, and, you know, when it's my time, it's my time, that uh, God will be the judge for that one, okay? leave it up to God. Exactly, and I'm not saying, you know, that, um, you know, there's other parents that have lost their kids to suicide, and some people do have a breaking point, I guess, and uh, I I feel for them, and and I would never put that down, you know, they... I can't speak for them. I, I'm not God, okay? I'm just one of his maybe messengers, uh, maybe one of his um, human workers. I, I think we all are. We're all here to do a job, darn it. You know, just find out what you're supposed to do. And, and, and the most important, instead of condemning people for their beliefs or their religious beliefs, love, love, love is the word, love, love. Yeah. God's about love. You know, life's about love. Not ridiculing people for their beliefs or whatever. We're all Christians, and we need to act like it. You know, putting another Christian down is not very godlike, do you think? <laughs> you know, it's know. not. It's not. It's wrong. You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty tough. Um, I'm not going to say that woman even hurt my feelings. I, I think I was more angry. And, I and, feel bad and you know for what her I did? She's, um, I prayed for her. She obviously yeah. has, has some underlying whatever, and I, I prayed I that she, she finds her issue. way. Well, you know what, but then I, if I say that, then I would be judging too, so I can't. Right. We can't. I mean, we can, but this is the way I look at it. I I don't need any more negativity in my life. It's going to stop me from my work. Nothing's going to stop me. You can condemn me, throw stones at me, or whatever you think, or burn me at the stake. I'm not a witch. I don't practice witchcraft. I don't do any of this stuff. You know, I'm just trying to, to work in the light. And um Either accept it or you don't. Like I said before, if you don't want to talk to me, you don't want to see my things, get off my Facebook. If you don't want to hear my show, don't listen to it. If you don't want to be my friend, don't be my friend. That's your free will. That's your choice. Okay? That's all but I have to say. But she is a good friend, so you should keep her around. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> you know what? I love me. Yeah, I am. A, I'm a darn good friend. I, you people are. People that know me are always there for too. You know, I, to listen to them. And, you know, there's been times where... I'm at rock bottom myself, and somebody will call me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, and I listen, and I listen, and I try to help them. You know, even going, I've had people call me, like, right after my son complaining about something, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this, but I, but I still listen, mm-hmm. you but know, like and that's change, the most Like, you revert, you do a 360, and instead of you, uh-huh. like, thinking about your own issues, you 100% yep. go into how can I help them mode, and that's what well, I, I do, and that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. I could be sitting here vegging. I could be, you know, I, I got a lot of my own health problems. Uh, you know I have multiple sclerosis. I have, uh, I'm an asthmatic. Um, I, I'm a hypo- I have hypoglycemia, the opposite of diabetes. Um, I have a few of my own health issues that, that really uh, makes it difficult at times for me. But I sometimes put them aside. You know, I tell people I have these things, and I walk into a place like, well, why are you limping? Well, guess what, pal? I can't walk well. That's part of my MS. Mm-hmm. You know, um riding around, people see me in the supermarket riding around, why are you doing that? Because uh, I can't walk the stores anymore. I used to be, I used to push myself to do it and then go home and, and be in pain for two days and crying with a, MS is very painful illness, and I'm not sitting here feeling my sorry for myself, it's a fact. 
but I'm not going to do that to myself because I'm embarrassed. I, I'm not embarrassed to be who I am. I have my illness. I have to deal with it. Um, do I like it? No. You know, I've been sick since I was nine years old with MS and not diagnosed until I was 50. Unfortunately, I was misdiagnosed with everything under the sun until I was 50, and they finally actually found it, and I'm one of the few that they could diagnose because of a problem that I have with optic neuritis. And, um, but anyhow, um, I'm thankful that I am not blind. I've never gone blind from it, which I have the type of problem I have I could have. Um, and I still could. Um, I could be totally paralyzed from this. I had, was about a year ago for a few months. I couldn't walk. First time in my life, I couldn't actually walk at all. Uh, had to even use a uh, commode. Uh, uh, I couldn't even get to the bathroom. You know, I was I was a patient at that point. You know, in my own home, uh, doing having people do for me what I did for a living. You know, for the most part of my life. You know, yeah, I have my rough days, but you know what? I still keep going. I think that's the bottom line. I keep going. I keep showing up for work. You know, I should be retired. I have been retired for many years, but I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. I'm probably busier now with my writings, my poetry, my organizations, my counseling other parents, my everything. Most well, that's the that message is. that you have to give people. It's like never give up, no matter what tries to bring you down in what life, I, whatever that's imperfections, where I'm an e- you know. Example, it's not an ego thing. I'm trying to be an example, mm-hmm. trying to help people, trying to show others, you know, this is what you, you need to know what really feels like. Um, you know, I'm not sitting in the bar and ruining your night, and that poem I wrote about, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to ruin your, your dinner type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, empty chairs at the table. Um, yeah, well, I go through it every day. You know, I'm sorry you don't want to hear it. Like I said, don't listen to it then. You know, true friends will be a little more compassionate and, and, and understanding and and not roll your eyes. You know, I've walked the place that I see the eyes. Oh, here she comes. Here it goes. What do you, I'm not stupid either. You know, a grieving parent isn't dumb and we're not blind. Okay? We're neither. Neither. Okay? We see, we know when you're rolling your eyes what you're thinking. We know when you're like in the corner, what you're, pretty much what you're saying. It's like, oh, get the violin. Well, you know what? There's people that out there that create their own drama, and there's people that have no choice. That it it's happened to them, and and um, it, it is what it is. You know, don't make it harder for us. Don't don't. If you know what, my mom did have a saying. Your grandmother was like, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right. Do you remember? Yeah. I don't know if you remember Grandma right. saying that, but she did say that. I don't and remember she, it, was, it, but I remember being told by you and by my father that she would say mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not always going to agree with each other. Um, my mouth is getting drier. You know, we're not always going to agree with each other. Nobody's perfect. We're all human. You know, we're all in this together. You know, but like I said, if you don't have anything nice to say, and not that you can't debate, don't don't go somewhere where you know nothing about. Okay. Don't lecture me on how to go on living my life as a grieving parent when you've not lost a child or or if you've never even had children. Don't don't tell me how to raise my kids, okay? Or even if you do, still don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm a grown woman, I have all my faculties, okay? I may have MS, but I'm still there, you know. Don't tell me how to do things, okay? That's not right. That's not right. We are all here with free will and, and um you know, I know this is getting kind of on a serious subject, but I think it needs to be said, you know, and, I, and I'm and i taking something negative that happened today and, again, turning it into a positive, you know, to let people know, you know, to um, um, not do this. 
you know don't don't say things that you don't understand or or you can question me about it and you can believe what you believe about it go ahead with yourself i don't care you know but don't put me down. I don't sit here all day looking for signs. I, I have a feeling this person that wrote this thinks, oh, she, what did she say, quote, unquote, um, everything you think is a sign. Well, no, I don't. No, because I, every time something happens, I question it. I still question it. You know what I mean? But when you have a multi, uh, multitude of signs, like I had with the pipe smoke and balloons appearing on my face. Come on, I took a picture of that. I, I didn't do that. I swear on God's Bible. This thing it freaks me. Stuff like that freaks me out too. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't yeah. get it. I don't get why it's happening. But I think by that happening, it brought me to part of what the show is about tonight, and the, the comment that was made today, and and to communicate and uh, with others and and let them know and and understand not only myself and um but other people that are going through it. You know, like you know, uh, just. Uh, be a little understanding. You don't have to sit and talk to us for hours or whatever and whatever. But, you know, if you were my friend before, uh, yeah, I'm different. Yeah, don't expect me to be the peg I used to be, as I call it, the old and new person. You know, I've talked about it before. I'm different. You mean you the know, new and different. improved? <laughs> new, well, thank you. That You know, that's a good way of go. saying it because I've been made fun of. It's like, oh, the old peg, new peg. No, and they laugh I feel at me. like no. you Listen, pal, it's not a joke. This is not funny. And yeah, and my identity is different. Yeah, you changed. Yeah, I, I am the mother of four, changes. still the mother of four, but, but two have passed. So don't expect me, now that two of my children have passed, to be the same person I was, because I'm not. I'm not. I've improved. Yes, yeah, you're right, the new and improved version. You new know? and improved. I'm not, sitting, I'm not sitting in the bar room like I used to, and, and venting and crying and drinking and acting stupid. Yeah, I go once in a while. I'm not going to lie. So what? You know, I'm over 21, uh, you know, as long as I do and I keep everything in, in, yeah, yeah, what are you allowed to drink an hour or whatever, I'll go and stop and have one. I'm not going to drink and drive and be stupid again and get get all, what do you call it, blank-faced, you know. Can't say it on the air, but yeah, you know where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Now, y'all stop in, say hello, and, and I don't have to get all stupid. I think a lot of it, uh, the people, I was their entertainment because my, my late son videotaped me one night picking me up from a bar. Uh, that was it. White, white Russian peg was gone. <laughs> she said, that's what I look like to everybody? You know, I thought it was funny. Oh, no, I was stupid and ridiculous and disgusting. And But you know what? I'm woman enough to admit it, you know? I made a lot of mistakes during those years, and I went up to it. You know what? I'm human, you know? But like I said, I've learned. I've learned it. It's anything in life, if, it's all about learning process. It's all school. Do you believe that right. we only have 12 minutes left for the show? No, calls, no so. I feel like it went by really I wonder quick. if anybody's listening, but I'll, I'll see on my stats if anybody tuned in, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, I got a message across. Um, I like sharing some stories of Croton and Hudson. Um, you know, put it on the map tonight. Uh, did a few plugs for... Uh, my watering hole there, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I wanted to tell uh, you just one more thing too about Croton. Sure. So my father was actually supposed to be cast as the Toxic Avenger, and he didn't mm-hmm. want to play a bad character, so he said no. Hmm. Really? I, how come I don't remember any of this? Not saying this I is don't true. Know. This You'll happen? have to ask him about it later. But I just wanted to throw that in there because I I just got the answer. So <laughs> really. Tell you. Hmm. No, I, uh, well, you know what, during those years, too, because I'm three years older than him, and I was married with the kids, and a lot of people say, do you remember this year? I was so busy, 
you know, with my kids and, and Girl Scouts. I did all the other things, too. Even though my kids are sick, they, you know, the Girl Scouts and Cub Scouts and the Den Mother and the, the Girl Scout Leader and the, the the Altar Society, the Junior Youth Group of the Church. And we did all those things, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I was busy with my kids, plus the added of the doctor appointments and all the other stuff I had to do with them. But we lived a pretty functional, uh, dysfunctional life, I would say. <laughs> there's no real function. I don't life. think there's any perfect yeah. family out there. I feel like no. everyone tries yeah, to make no. the best of what they have, but there's exactly. no such thing as a perfect family when you think about My it. My statement, lemons to yeah. lemonade, you know? <laughs> you know, we all have a cross with the bear. You know. Yeah, I think that's what what uh, my shows are about. We do the best we can. I mean, we'll get into more guests. Uh, we took a week off from guests. We had a, two shows in a row with uh, one from Chicago and one from um, uh, New Orleans. And uh, you know, so tonight was just kind of like talk night and share where I came from and some of the cool things that happened in Croton. And um, it's still a beautiful town. I only live a few miles, and actually, I'm probably still there more than I am home. You know, we're all living on the river here, and um, it's a beautiful place and beautiful parks and, uh, like I said, many restorations and, and uh, cool places to visit. And I know you, you like me, like I didn't go this year, but the big um, the, the blaze at the Van Cortlandt Manor House, the uh, pumpkin That's blaze. That's one of my favorite places to go every year. Oh, tell them about it. You know, we got maybe I love eight, it. Nine yeah, like, tell them what they do there. It's so cool. Well, I go every year. I think it's one of the most amazing things that you can do, if, even if you live in the city or – Whatever. I mean, people come from all around to see these pumpkins, and they're mm-hmm. in the shapes of all different characters. Frankenstein and, you know, all of the haunted yeah, characters. Awesome. There's dinosaurs. There's dragons in the shape of um, pumpkins. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. I've never seen such pumpkin displays as I've seen at Van Cortland. It is such an experience. They have hot cider. They have cupcakes and cookies. I love the gift shop. I'm a gift Halloween. shop person. It's it's the amazing. gift shop lady. I yeah. I go in there and it's like, please take my credit cards away from me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love their gift shop. And yeah, they, it's they amazing. Do, um, I'm uh, always amazed at how beautiful the displays are. I mean, it's hours and countless hours of people even just lighting. Do you know we had relatives that worked there? Pumpkins. Did you know that we had relatives that worked there? Yes, I did hear that before, actually. Yes, they were the hostess. Um, my uh, my aunt Dot, married to my uncle Carl. Her sister-in-law Daphne worked mm-hmm. there. Um, her niece um, Doreen worked there, um, and they would dress in the um, the costume of the day, you know, of the back back of the day. And and I'll tell you what's really cool. I don't know if you've ever been there during the holidays at Christmas. It's beautiful. The candle candlelit windows and the Oh, I love it. I haven't done it in years, but I think I'm going to start doing stuff like this. I love stuff like that. One of yeah, my other really favorites fun. is the, it's very festive, the, you know. The, the, the Gloria the Vanderbilt so Mansion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's really fun. I love it. I love it. And to learn more about our local history and what have you, um, you're part of that, kids. You know, <laughs> guys and girls. Mm-hmm. You know, where you grow up is makes you who you are. You know, it takes a community raise, it's part raise of who a, you a kid, are, right? Part of your life. You yeah. Know? Exactly, exactly. I only live four miles away, but I'm still Croton girl. You know, I love where I am in Verplank and uh, whatever, but Croton was where I was born and raised, and my family settled. So my grandmother came over as a little girl from Germany in the 1800s and lived there, and 
the firehouse on Grand Street. She attended school, which is in my book, Rainbows and Butterflies, One Less Hug, and met my grandfather. They both worked for the John D. Rockefeller family, her the cook, and him the uh, gardener, actually, not the caretaker. Well, I guess part caretaker, too. They met in this country, even though they're both from Europe. And uh, But, you know, it was all in the same community, the Sleepy Hollow, the Croton. And like I said, Croton's got the big station. It's like the, the big uh, stopover from the city between here and the city to the major station and very close to Van Cortland Manor House by the way you can walk to it you know and um, like I said some of the things that we got what uh, Washington Irving's home and Sunnyside and uh, down in Terrytown the Sleepy Hollow area these are some of the things and I'm not getting paid to plug these places just kind of cool places to go see what no it's just like really cool then. to learn the historical perspective mm-hmm. you know of where you live exactly. the stories yeah. the hidden gems of where to go you know I mean it's it's interesting exactly yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, this was kind of nice tonight. I can't believe it's, you know, we've got a few, what, six minutes left. And uh, uh, I thank Norma, Norma, for calling. Norma and I, well, maybe we'll do a, a show for last one night. Uh, she could share a story of my son, my late son, Mark, one time. Uh, Norma and I went on a uh, vacation together to Atlantic City. And she tells you, don't ever drive with Peggy. A ride that would take uh, three, four hours took her ten to get back. <laughs> I, dr- I drive like nobody else is on the road, and I just take my time. I'm just very cautious and well, whatever, you know. And I, I have a bridge here, so I couldn't drive over the Tappan Zee, so I had to go to the Bear Mountain Bridge. And then I got lost. <laughs> I whole other county, you know. So, But we had a ball down in Atlantic City. Uh, many years ago, actually, and uh, we had a cool time. I'm sure Norma will. I should have asked her to share that story tonight. You get a kick out of it. It was funny as hell. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to more good times in life and, and making new memories, and but never forgetting the ones I've had, and to continue helping others uh, along with my psychic Melissa, and <laughs> um, you know, my adopted uh, not only niece, not adopted, but my adopted daughter. I do- I adopt my girls, and my boys. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't formally adopt you guys, but I have a lot of love uh, people in my life that, that are like kids to me and uh, others that have actually lived. I told on another show that my husband and I at times, I took them in and my husband just went along with it, you know, helping people out and what have you and our kids out. And uh, So I got a lot of kids out there, you know, and I love you all and, uh, you know, I love everybody, you know, and uh, not putting anybody down. It wasn't a put-down show to people, just a realization, you know, it's like uh, – Stop the judging, you know. Stop the judging. You're you're allowed your opinion. Everybody has one. I won't continue the rest of that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like life's too short but, to judge, though. Exactly, know? exactly. You, you know, only live once, I feel that I'm doing things good. Life. You know, I'm not sitting here with uh, what do you call it, voodoo dolls, putting pins in it, or you know, doing uh, witching ceremonies and crazy stuff, and you know, reading crystal balls. And no, that's not what I'm doing. You know, it's not what Melissa's doing. You know. We're both very deep in our beliefs. We're both love God, like I said, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to win you over by saying that it's truth, you know. And, and uh, you know, I'm sorry if you know we're misunderstood, but our job is to help people, you know. And I think each of us have a calling, and I think it's not about working on Wall Street and making the bucks and 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 working twelve, fifteen hour days and coming home and too tired for your families. Take time for your families, you know, because you never know; they may not always be there, you know. I think that's a good way to end the show. It's like love your family and, and, and be with your family and, and do things with them as a family, you know. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're lost this day on Facebook, and, uh, you know, I'm guilty of it too, but 
you know what, Facebook and, and texting and, and well, you know. Well, that's the iPhone. I'm telling you. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's as like, this is ridiculous. IPhone, we're we're losing. Where people just we're, sit on those things for days. This, is, this isn't what my show is about, but it kind of is because we're losing that one-on-one. You know, I, I'm not saying, and you wouldn't remember this, that we're not all Donna Reed show and we're not the Andy Griffin show and, I would like to be, believe it or not, down in this this tough girl. There's there's the heart of Donna Reed. I wanted that kind of life, and I wanted the fairy tale life. And that fairy tale is a fairy tale at times, you know. And uh, it's but it's all I guess part of the process, you know. And you just uh, do or die. That's all you can do in life, and that's that's for anybody. It's not even about the loss. It's about loving each other and caring for each other and, and, and helping each other through it, you know, you know, and uh, not putting people down, you know, it's mm-hmm. not good. We, we've all done it. I mean, none of us are perfect. I've, I've gotten PO'd at people at times too, and but I've changed, I'm starting to change that. It's like, instead of doing it, I just kind of like walk away, okay? You know, if you've been in my life and I'm not calling you anymore, not talking to you, there's a reason for it. You know, I'm not going to sit there and argue with you about it, but if you don't realize why, then maybe you need to sit down and realize, what have I done? What have I done? Think about it, you know. I'm not accepting negativity. Life is too short for negative responses, uh, reactions, and um, I have to just uh, go on and be around more positive people, okay? And I'm not going to have what little energy of time I have because of my own illness be sucked out of me by negativity, you know, and that's the way I feel. And uh, I can't help others if I'm going to be, you know, uh, have no energy left, you know. So that's what I have to do. So, and, if, well you know, that said. happens in your life. Huh? Well, it's true. That it's was true. very well like said. <laughs> Thank you very much, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, we got about a minute. Uh, anything you want to say about anything, Melissa? Or? Um, I think that was... Everything that you said was really what I was thinking, was just that, you know, life is too short. You should treat people the way you want to be treated because mm-hmm. your friends are really a reflection of who you are. You know, if you're hanging mm-hmm. out with people that are bringing you down, how can you ever feel good about yourself, you know? Exactly. You have to just focus yeah. on you. Like, once you love yourself, all the positive mm-hmm. things will happen to you. Not everything exactly. can be perfect and peaches every single day, but the more that you shed positive light on all of your friends and your family – the more the mm-hmm. good will come back to you. That's what I feel like exactly. is a good way to kind of wrap it up, you know, to yeah, yeah, be a good yeah. person. It's all part of, That's it. It's all part of karma, the karma, you know. It's, right. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get in, like I, I call it, I used to call it the eebie of life and whatever, you know, the twilight zone, but it's real, you know, and life stinks at times, man, but you got to make the best of it, you know. you, you got to do what you got to do. Like and, you've been turning and, lemons into lemonade. <laughs> yeah, I know. People are probably sick of it. I'm not Irma Brown. I think it's cute. They want lemonade. I think it's, it's adorable. I know, I know. I know. I know the feeling. I love lemonade, by the way. <laughs> Me too. It's going to take a summer now. Let's get rid of the snow and have summer. Please, summer, please. I've had it with us. Well, we've got about 15 seconds to go. Melissa M., I would like to thank you, my niece, my editor of Rainbows, Butterflies, and One Lux Hug. And you can buy the the books on Amazon or or you can get the Kindle version for $3.03. And have a good night. Talk to you next week. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You too. Bye, hon.